and welcome to Phil's Breakfast Metal, episode 114. Uh, I'm joined again by recurring guest Finn. Hi, how you doing? Um, we're discussing uh, kind of a mixture of two of his favourite bands who have like an incredibly intertwined history. This We're going to be running through the discographies of Dying Fetus and Misery Index, and we thought the fun way to do this would be to basically run through that whole discography of both bands in order. Finn's like a... Pretty much a super fan of these bands, oh, yeah. I'd say. So, so Dying Fetus uh, were the, pretty much the first death metal band I got really into. Uh, my gateway to the genre was Deicide. I think I was maybe 16 or 17, and I sort of yeah, YouTube shuffled, and it took me on to um, A March for Satan. But Dying Fetus were the first band I sort of bought through their albums, so I got really, really into them, specifically Purification Through Violence and uh, Destroy the Opposition. Yeah, we should. Then I just kind of springboarded into all the, all the rest of it. Whereas I think they're bands I've been like aware of through choice songs for years. Like I've had a couple of tracks I like, but I've never been like deep into their albums until I sort of started hanging out with you, and you were like, "Oh, check this one out, check <laughs> yeah. this one out." And now I have a bit more of a a kind of grounding in them. But yeah, the the kind of thing I was I think quite surprised with going back on this is how long they've been around. Like mm. particularly uh, John Gallagher, the you know main brain behind Dying Fetus, and Jason Neverton. Go back all the way to 1989 with the first like project they've got up on Metal Archives. Uh, had you ever heard this before? This is the band Damnation, and they did one demo called One Grain of Truth. No, and the, and I'm pretty sure you probably have the exact same note I did. Where I was like, okay, so you know, it's uh, it's the two guys from Early Dying Fetus. The band's called Damnation. Cool. Here we're going to get some uh, gnarly old school death metal. I was like, oh, that sounds like if it's not Joey Belladonna, but oh, that sounds like uh, a nice, clean kind of late thrash style vocals. That's uh, that was very unexpected. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, because it's 89 they started, and yet, as you say, the demo is well and truly like American thrash metal. Mm. Like, it is it, the epitome of that sound. And 89 is kind of late to be doing that, I think. Like, yeah. death metal was more or less in full swing by then. So it's interesting to hear these guys who kind of went on to be pioneering in brutal death metal playing this demo of, yeah kind of slightly throwback music almost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for what it's um, I think I, I could only, it's meant to be a three-track demo. I could only find two of the tracks uploaded on YouTube. So maybe maybe the last one is a, you know, like a full-on death metal <laughs> rager and it's just been lost in the annals of time or something. But yeah, it's definitely, it's one worth checking out, but I think it's really, in this band's history, a complete footnote. Like, yeah. it's, it's something that they, they clearly moved on to very quickly, forming Dying Feet just like essentially the year after they broke up and, uh, putting out that 1993 Bathed in Entrails demo. where um, So yeah, we have a bit of a weird lineup for that first demo where John, who I've, I've heard an interview saying like they just could not find drummers, so he plays drums, does the vocals, and lead guitar on this. Jason Everton doing bass and vocals, and then uh, uh, Nick Spellius uh, coming in on guitar and vocals. And, uh, yeah, Nick, again, somewhat of a footnote in the band's history, but his major contribution is he designed the logo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I noticed that, because when I was looking at Metal Archives, um, he's got a credit, obviously, on Bathing Entrails, and then, wrong, wrong to fuck with, they brought back that old school logo, and he's got a credit on that one again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, he designed the logo, before they decided to go just all capitals, all kind of block. Like, I think we're going to come back to these two demos, because they sort of tie into the first album, so unless you've got huge notes on them, I reckon we'll just skip ahead to... Uh, uh, purification through violence. Yes, I, like I said, so this is the first. Like I, when I got into Dying Fetus, I kind of. Um, I mean, obviously, I found Kill Your Mother, Rape Your Dog on YouTube. And I used to me and my friends at our sort of metal parties. We'd love watching that because it's such a stupid video. Yeah. And also, um, uh, the, the other two kind of not that they ever had like huge breakout singles, but it was definitely 
uh, homicidal retribution from War of Attrition. Yeah. And, uh, your treachery will die with you from um, Descended to Depravity. I remember those videos being a big deal when yeah. they came out. But then this is the first one I went out. I was like, right, I'm going to buy this album. And I actually, considering I kind of heard about them more from their slightly techier later stuff, I really liked how just... It's so grimy, this first album. It's Because like, it's something I quite like punk music. I feel it's not punk, but it's got that, you know, that kind of grassroots, just nastiness. But it's still very, very death metal as well. So a quick fun anecdote is, uh, I can't remember who I was in the car with. They were like, oh, you can, you know, you can put some music on. So I, I put this album on. You know, it literally opens with just all these voices going, wah, wah, like in a fucking horrible noise. They're like, nope, switch that off. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's so, funny as well. Like, if you isolate the screams, it's so much worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, this, I, honestly, I think this album is fantastic. Like, as, I, I think we've definitely had this conversation before. We said the production is rough. It's an album I think is great. Uh, you know, kind of in spite of the production rather than because of it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, like, that is I think that is the note this album gets more than anything else seems to be, it sounds like shit. Like, yeah, exactly. It, the writing's pretty good, but it sounds like shit. So it, it's from 96, so we're past like the death metal boom just, and you can see Dying Feet just starting to lean towards being a brutal death metal rather than, you know, traditional death metal band. The lineup's been... Um, Rounded out by uh, Brian Latter on guitar and Rob Belton on drums, neither of which I think stick with the band particularly long. Um, and yeah, it's a very short album as well. I think it's only about twenty five minutes long. Yeah, yeah. But it is—it's not a dying. It doesn't sound like dying fetus. No, like, it's, other it's, than it's, John's voice. Yeah, well, this is why I think it's you kind of did the right thing where you said even though this is the first full length album, like it kind of gets lumped in with the first two demos because they're all kind of the early stages of the band. And I think Killing on Adrenaline is like the first first proper dying fetus album. Yeah, yeah, I think that I, I think that's kind of largely accepted. Um, uh, yeah, like there's so much about it as well. This is really weird. Like it's just like the worst of late '90s album covers as well. That like yeah. horrible sort of brutal truth esque collage. Well, the thing is, I, I don't think we have the album cover here. But there's the album cover that I always saw was actually turns out it was the one for the remastered version. I don't know if you've gone back on Metal Archives and looked at the original. Yeah, the original's yeah, really God, it's, bad. It's, fuck it, it's dog shit. It's just so bad. It's well worth if you're familiar with this album looking at the two next to each other because the new one's not good. Yeah, like, it's, yeah, exactly. I thought it's so not good. I thought, well, there's no way this is. Yeah, it might as well be the original. But yeah, the original's even worse. Somehow, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you've looked particularly into the uh, the lyrics of this one. As an <laughs> yeah, so, so as an edgy teenager, I loved this. But there's a I've got some notes here. But basically, there's a song uh, called Skull Fucked, which it, uh, you know I do think it's a really good song. I, I think it's, it's the best song on the album. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've, I've got a different than all that. But there's um uh, there's a lyric which I wrote down, which is a uh, sluts that are ready for fucking, ready for sucking, ready to die when I'm done. I just I'm like yeah, yeah this is, it kind of goes back to that conversation we've had about Cannibal Corpse. I'm like. Death metal lyrics where it's like, hey, I'm going to kill people non-discriminately. Oh, that's cool. Gendered violence, I can't, I, you know, I can't. <laughs> There's something a little off-putting about it, but then again, I think, wait, we're going to have to address this right away. We're doing a podcast about the band Dying Features. Yeah. <laughs> oh, their lyrics are kind of offensive. Yeah, like, who, who would have seen <laughs> yeah. that coming? Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> it, it, it's, I think it's more, it's just kind of, seeing it now, it's just really fucking naff. Yeah. Like, it's not particularly shocking more than... Um, it's just, yeah, it's that kind of thing that feels a bit easy these days, doing the, like, oh, we're really gross out because all our songs are about raping women. And you're like, ah, yeah, but that's, I know, it gets a bit icky after yeah, a while. Exactly. It was, you know, so in, in the liner notes for um, Infatuation Murderments, Jason Netherton straight up says, oh, yeah, we just basically, we didn't really care about the lyrics being good, we just wanted to shock people. And I'm sure that carried through to uh, to this album as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I think they are just trying to trying to upset people. Um, 
Interestingly, the start on this album is it's the first one recorded with Steve Carr at Hit and Run Studios, and it's interesting. You, I imagine he was quite a young guy when doing this because he works with them for quite a few albums afterwards, and you see him slowly getting the hang of doing Dying Fetus yeah, yeah. as, as each album goes on. But yeah, the guitar tone on this is oh, fucking so horrible. It's so funny because I really like the Napalm Death cover at the end as well. But it's very funny that they yeah. covered they covered a song with famously bad production, and they themselves covered it with bad production. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day someone will make that song sound good. Doesn't they? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think there must be so many scum covers out there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, there's a lot I like about this album because they there's a lot of the tracks like I think stuff like Skullfuck, as I mentioned, is amazing because it sounds like an old school death metal mm. song. It, it, but there is like occasional moments where they do the dying fetus tech moment. Yeah, right? yeah, there's a few kind of sweepy bits as well. But what I also love is that you can, and even right from this album, there's so many bits where it just drops to a straight up hardcore riff. I yeah. think the first song, Blunt Force Trauma, about two minutes in, it's like, right, here's a hardcore riff. You're like, oh, yeah, it's just, it just works so well, like mixing the two together. I wonder where, where that influence, actually, probably better to talk about in the next album, but that influence of there's a lot of hardcore, but then there's like hip hop as well. Mm. And I wonder if Jason's the source of the hardcore. And yeah, because it does, the hardcore John's does tend the... to drop off a bit after he leaves, I think. And they go more in the tech direction. Yeah, yeah, I, like yeah, definitely. And and Misery Index are so much more obviously hardcore inspired. Yeah, well, yeah, because they're, they're much more kind of overtly political as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although, I mean, I think like straight after this, I mean, like, I don't have you anything else to add on uh, uh, purification? Uh, so it's, it's just one funny note, which I say I know it's stupid, but I love the lyrics in Skull Fucked. Where he says, "Skull fucked, fuck your fucking face." <laughs> <laughs> Because they're, they're stupid, but they're delivered so heavily. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and also, it looks like the sample that, that they use at the beginning of Scum is a, a recording of their drummer being sick on tour. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yes, yeah, so my, my favourite track from this is actually uh, Raped on the Altar. Yeah, Raped on the Altar is a really good track as well. Yeah. Although, again, another one where I'm like, oh, lyrically, I'm just, you know, and that sample at the beginning, again, as an edgy teenager, I love being like, put that, like, yeah, look at everyone being shocked. And I'm like, because they, they recorded that for this. Yeah, I was going to say. Like, yeah, that's, I'm like, yeah, that's actually not that's quite problematic. <laughs> but that sample is like the... Because most of Dying Features, I couldn't care less about the lyrics because they're impenetrable mm. and I know they don't... It's not really their focus. Yeah. When those samples come in, that's the one bit I'm like, oh, I've got to watch you I play this album yeah, around. Exactly. Yeah, because we can... We can all... Like, we appreciate it's, like, not not great, but at least we can go, okay, but we understand they don't mean it. But yeah, I, I do understand why some people will be like, no, that's actually fucking like not cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it's certainly down to teenagers being edgy, but every software here, I'm like, um, I kind of wish that wasn't there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like you said, the lyrics are, well, I mean, like I said, the only lyrics I looked up for Skullfucked, they are terrible, at least you can't really discern the lyrics that well. But yeah, the sample's just, there's no music, we're just leaving you with the sound of this woman recounting. Like, oh, just, uh, yeah, 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 it's grim. Difficult. But <laughs> that aside, I do think uh, Purification Free Violence is a much maligned album. It's kind of hated, like... Yeah, because I, I was looking up reviews, because I thought it'd have the same kind of uh, reputation that, I mean, you know, to bring it back to sort of Mastodon, like, in the way that Remission has a good reputation, no one's saying it's the best thing ever, but you appreciate really good first effort, and you went on to do amazing things, so it's like... A good first step. I always thought this was in the same thing. Where it's like, yeah, we know it's not perfect, but it's a really good first step, and they used it to, you know, develop into you know much better band. So I think it's yeah, yeah, but seemingly it just doesn't have that that um, that reputation to it. But I said my nostalgia might also blind me because it you know takes me back to being seventeen. Like, oh my god, music can be so awful <laughs> in a good way. I should add. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see how much that comes up. Like where our opinions differ later on. <laughs> yeah.
Uh, next up, uh, two years later, we get um, 1998's Killing on Adrenaline, Dying Feeds' second album. Lineup change of Rob Belton's being replaced by Kevin Tarley, who is a drummer that even if you're not familiar with, he's definitely in your collection somewhere. That guy has been, he's been in about 50 bands, all of which for like one lone <laughs> album. Um, but yeah, uh, but he definitely gives the the band the backbone they'd sort of been looking for on the previous album, I think. Like, this album's suddenly very heavy and very, very focused. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've actually got the exact word there, focus in my notes. And you can also feel a big step up in confidence as well. Purification of Violence very much felt like, yeah, you know, we're a bunch of teenagers essentially fucking around. This one feels like a band who's like, no, we are making this record. It's got a lot more kind of like drive behind it, I think. Yeah, yeah, it, it's um, and then it's it's the point as well. Where I think Jason and John really find their screaming voices. Mm. They start sounding more or less like they'll sound through their whole career, whereas yeah. like they're a little less recognisable on the previous one. Because also, yeah, this album because like I said on the first album you can tell who is who, but they're still finding their voices. This one very firmly establishes the Dying Feeters trend, having John Gallagher with his low. I think people call it the bullfrog voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then, like a higher vocalist doing a more kind of slightly more discernible shriek on top of it. Yeah, yeah, which is a really cool trade off. And I wonder if they are one of the bands who really set that up as a death metal staple of having the low versus higher. As soon as I'm saying this, I'm remembering Carcass exists. I'm a <laughs> yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> well, yeah, Ben Zyphus came up, yeah, that's a good idea, let's do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it's just in such a different approach, but yes, it's definitely Carcass set that up. <laughs> Because yeah, because even the lyrics, like we said, the first album was all just, oh hey, you know, let's you know kill people and whatever. Uh, this one, there is still some death metal silliness. Uh, obviously, the, the, the kind of infamous song "Kill Your Mother, Rape Your Dog" is on this. Uh, and so, just as a side note, so the reason that that song title exists is because John Gallagher went to a Christian school. When the other kids found out that he liked metal music, they were like, oh, so you listen to all that "Kill Your Mother, Rape Your Dog" music? And he's like, right, that's going to be a song. <laughs> <one day." laughs> oh, I love that. It's got yeah, that yeah. history to it. I always just thought it was a very funny. Yeah, and the, and the lyrics. I mean, the lyrics. I don't know if any anyone listening has read the lyrics. You should because they are purposely the dumbest <laughs> fucking things. They're like, yeah, all popular music is bad. You know, fuck Pearl Jam, fuck the Spice Girls. Apparently, it's meant to be a satire of how people view metalheads. Interesting. Apparently, P Cells is the same thing. Oh really? The satire of how people view metalheads. Yeah. Mm. Well, this is, is a lot more just like, yeah, this is funny, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That does, that does explain a lot, because I always thought Peace Cells was kind of stupid, but that yeah, makes a yeah, lot more sense. Uh, that's really cool. The the one thing I will say about Killing on Adrenaline, I think it's like it's one of their legendary albums, right? Mm. This, this is my favourite Dying Fetus album. Really? Yeah. I don't like the production that much. I think it's too oh, low-end yeah. heavy. Oh, see, I've got, uh, saved to my PC, I've got the re- re-released version, which might have better production. Possibly. I've got, I've got another version arriving in the post because I lost it. I'll maybe hand that over to you. Yeah. yeah. In case it sounds better. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll have to try that out. But yeah, like, it's not shit by any means. I just think the next two albums oh, sort yeah. of have some it's, improvement. It's still a bit muffled. Whereas Destroy the Opposition has very clear, you know, like almost like fucking robotically good production. Also, there's something I noticed really clearly on these two albums that's a bit more hidden than the next. Of, I think you can kind of see a difference in what they want to do between Jason and John when it comes to the tech bits. You know how, like, we, you're looking at, let's say, those two videos you mentioned, the later yeah. ones, where the bass is perfectly hitting yeah, every yeah. note of the guitar? Sean Beasley. Yeah. Jason doesn't do that. No. He, like, half-times most of the tech bits. Yeah. And it still sounds cool, but when you're used to seeing, like, Dying Fetus live now, the bass is so fast and technical on those yeah. bits. 
and you can see like Jason just isn't the guy to be doing that. Yeah. Like, well, exactly. This is why, like, I know we're jumping ahead a bit here. That's why Dying Fetus are now a three piece because I think, yeah, Sean Beasley genuinely because he actually shreds on the bass. He, it, he kind of fulfills the role that a second guitar would anyway. Which yeah. Next have always been a four piece with uh, with two guitars as well as the bass. Yeah, I, I think I think that that kind of um, that kind of plays into like just an interesting note about the earlier sound of. Although John is out there as this ludicrous shredder from day one, like he's brilliant on the demos. Mm. Um, no one else in the band is quite at that level. Like even even Kevin Tarley's performance on this is not the most impressive we've heard a drummer with a band. And, yeah. But actually, he's super early on in his career. Like he's yeah, like yeah. a teenager on this, I think, or at least he, early twenties. He's only on this one. Uh, the next one, to story the opposition. I think he possibly drums on the Grotesque Impalement EP. Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, he was in Misery Index very briefly as well, but he was never on any albums. And then he went on to this million other projects. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it is, it's just like, it's interesting that. But what what makes this this still legendary is it's got all the best riffs. Yeah. Like, so many songs still pop up in their live set. Yeah, and also when, when you invited me onto this podcast, you knew for an absolute fact, I was going to mention, the riff at about 1 minute 58 <laughs> in Intentional Manslaughter, one of my absolute like top five metal riffs ever. Just I, so I think, remember, like if, if I may do a personal anecdote, uh, that time we were at a house party, I think I think everyone was leaving and I was very drunk. I was like, no, you'll have to stay a minute because I just need to show you this really good riff. <laughs> to make that even better, it was, it was a gathering for my birthday. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, and then you, you were so hammered. You were just like, no, but Phil, you, you, you've forgotten this riff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we had to... Uh, yeah, I mean, it is so a great riff. Sit for another minute. <laughs> it is a great riff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, like, like, if I'm ever thinking, oh, yeah, I've got a quick five-minute walk somewhere, I think. Yeah, I'll put that song because I know that's going to get me really pumped to get where I'm going really quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But also, yeah, with this one, like I said, the, the lyrics, the, yeah, like I said, even though there's still some super ones, this is where you can see the political stuff coming in now as well. Uh, like the track We Are Your Enemy has some really great lyrics. One of them is just, you know, let's spread the wealth among us and kill the rich instead. But okay, this is clearly Jason going, oh, I can actually write about, you know, like political stuff that really matters, not just, oh, I'm going to slit someone up the middle or whatever. <laughs> and the, uh, the cover, like, I don't know quite what the... the you know, the point of it is, but it, you know, it's a very political looking image, yeah. which is always for me is interesting actually with Dying Features that their covers aren't like offensive. Like I'm, I'm yeah. amazed with going for the Dying Features name to grab people's attention. They didn't go for like horrific artwork. Cause, yeah. Cause Cannibal Corpse, you know, you can show like any of their album covers to anyone like, and they'll be like, Oh my God, what the fuck is that? With Dying Features, if you take the name off, you're like, oh, okay, that's, you know, well, I say apart from the grotesque impalement EP. A- apart from that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. some classic gory stuff.
Now comes the first bit me and Finn are going to probably end up having an argument about. <laughs> uh, this is the Grotesque Impalement EP from two years later. Uh, slight change in lineup. Uh, John Voyles joins on the second guitar. Um, yeah, uh, this is an interesting one because it's like a collection of stuff which is kind of legendary in a way. Like, I think the first four songs in particular... They're, well, they're re-recordings of tracks and the demos, right? Uh, yeah, so so basically, so this this album actually, or the EP, sorry, came out the same year as Destroy the Opposition, because basically their record label said, oh, you know, you need to do one more release with us. But I think because they'd know that they were going to go onto this new label, they were like, well, we'll do our album with this new label, but we'll give you, like, this EP. Fair play, this does not feel like something like, oh, we'll just record this to get off our label. Yeah. yeah so the first one, so uh, there's, a like, Grotesque Impelment and Tearing Inside the Womb are on here, which I believe are both from, uh, either from Bathing Entrails or um, Infatuation with Malevolence. Really good re-recordings. I like the originals as well, but these are much tighter and, you know, the, the much superior versions, I think. Yeah, I, I think I think they're absolutely brilliant. Those yeah. those first four songs are all just really sort of peak early Dying Feeders stuff. So, and... so Streaks of Blood is a cover of a band called Baphomet, uh, and then uh, Bringing Back the Glory is a cover of a hardcore band called Next Step Up. I think that shows the band really well. Uh-huh. So cool, here's an original, here's like an old school death metal cover, a hardcore cover, and then another one of our originals. You're like, yeah, that actually kind of covers the whole spectrum of their sound, I think. Oh, amazing! I honestly, I, I really should probably know what what the uh, what the tracks are cover of, but uh, originally of oh Bathmet, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of Bathmet, yeah, but I don't, I don't ever listen to them. I just know uh, they're old school. <laughs> yeah, then the bit we'll fall out about is yes. everything that happens in the last <laughs> the last four or five tracks. Um, Finn, do you want to tell me like what? Why do you like the rest of this? So, so there's a track on here. It's called. Let me read out the. Uh, well, in fact, there are two full titles that I need to read out. So, one of these is called "Final Scream: Prelude to Evil: Davy's Nightmare." Uh, I think this is a cover of a band called Grim Reaper, and the whole Grim Reaper song has a whole song after it. So, I'm thinking, oh, let's just cover the spoken word <laughs> bit at the beginning. Uh, which, I mean, there's no way we can really describe it without saying just just listen to it. It's someone being told to go to bed, and it's uh, it's very strange. It's uh, so and hard. then there is a song which is called. <clears throat> Hail Mighty North, Forest Trolls of Satan, Anno Clitoris 666, Opus II, uh, which sounds like a parody of a black metal song, but it's actually a glam parody. Uh, so it's, I, I think that, that song's kind of fun. They're still doing like shrieking vocals over the top. The production, is, the production is so bad, I have a feeling that's actually something they recorded like a long time ago <laughs> as a joke. Uh, but there's a really great bit in the lyrics of this, and something like, um, oh, how I long for you to toss my salad and I to suck your hairy bush, <laughs> followed by like a really bonkers solo. Uh, then the next, and then because I've got the bonus version here, uh, we'll get the last track is the one that we're going to fight about. So I'll just quickly say there is also a track called "Reduced to Slavery," which is from the "Destroy the Opposition" sessions. Which is a very quick side note makes me appreciate back then. Dying Peter's like cool eight tracks. That's what we do for our albums. That is a really good song. It would have slot perfectly into "Destroy the Opposition," but I liked the fact they're like, no, no, we do eight tracks. They clearly thought we can't do that one, but we have it now on this, which is good. Uh, then they have a live version of a song called Purged of My Worldly Being, which is again from either Infatuation or Bathe and Entrails. And then the final track, which actually even tells you on the CD here, they recorded in 2010, way <laughs> after the fact, is a song Jeez. called Dumpster Love. Uh, very quick aside, Jason Netherton came back to do the vocals for this one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so just to say that like, clearly John and Jason did not fall out. They've, they've been on each other's stuff. You know, they're still, the band still play together as well. Also, this will come up, the amount of interconnecting things that yeah, happen exactly. between the bands. So many shared yeah, band yeah. members. But yeah, so this song, oh, well, I mean, again, to describe it, it's, it's another glam song. It's kind of weird there are two glam songs in the Dying Fetus release. But this one is way more leaning into like the glam side. There's like spoken word vocals. I think it's a really good riff. But I think what we're going to fall down is that whereas I think this is very, very obviously a joke, 
I think you would quite like to argue that it's insanely sexist. Yeah, I, I, I think... So, the, the joke is clearly, like, oh, glam rock's really sexist, yeah. and we've turned that to 11. But, in turning it to 11, it's not about pretending to be a parody glam band. They reference their own tour and their own band in this song yeah. about hating a fat woman because she has sex with them. Yeah, with, what's the line? Um, with three holes filled and two hands full. I was eighth in line, somehow I knew you were mine. Yeah, it's it's, it's like really gross, like well, just really like low-rent fat jokes. But also, you can't parody glam for being sexist if you did a sexist album. Like, yeah. like Fair enough, Dying Fetus, like, they, enough, I don't have a big issue of them doing a sexist thing, but you can't call another genre out for it when you wrote Raped on the Old Side. Yeah, exactly. So, so my, my argument would be that, I think we've talked about maybe Steel Panther before, where they're like, oh no, look, they're not actually sexist, it's just like a parody of glam, whereas I'm like, but that Steel Panther are indistinguishable from the real thing, so it's the point where it doesn't matter if it's satire, because it pretty much is the real thing. I just think, because it, it's a death metal band doing this, I can't help but think, Oh, but it's so obviously a joke. But I, I do also fully appreciate what you're saying. No, no, I, I fully think it's a joke. I just don't like it's, the joke. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's also true. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I fuck it. I'm not going to hold it against them. I just like, I, basically, I listen to like the first couple of tracks of this album and then turn it off. Yeah, well, the fir- yeah, the first four are like the actual really good songs. Well, and the the bonus tracks of the old uh, Destroy One and the live track. The rest is clearly they were like, we don't have enough tracks to actually fill this album. Let's let's just fuck around and do whatever. So yeah, I think it is fun, but yeah, I, I do appreciate that. Okay, again, considering we just literally did complain about potentially sexist overtones in, um, in an earlier release. Yeah. Had I said all that one might completely <laughs> cross the line. But also, they go, fuck it, it's something stupid. I mean, I, yeah. I won't hold it against them that much. Anyway, later in 2000, or possibly earlier, I can't quite remember I the chronology, um, you get Destroy the Opposition, which I think possibly the fan favourite until the later stuff. Like, yeah, I, I think, well, again, I think Dying Fetus One is interesting bands, or I think there are very much two, because there are two eras of the band, I think there are two types of fans. There's, there's the fans who I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we are, where we like the early stuff. Uh, basically the more kind of Jason Netherton era stuff. And then there are fans who prefer the kind of post-Jason, more techie stuff. I think this is definitely the favourite of the early stuff. Uh, yeah. Fans. And this, uh, so as I say, John Voiles has uh, joined the band from Sadistic Torment, who are the band Dying Feet? I think they've got like a couple of demos, but Dying Feet just seem to poach members from them <laughs> like, all the time. So he's the first to to appear on one of their releases, and that's rounding up the lineup with Kevin Talley still on drums. But yeah, the, the thing I'd say with this is Steve Carr has just got better at recording them. This album yeah, sounds, sounds really fantastic. good. Literally, that that opening track, uh, "Praise the Lord," opening with the masses. From the first beat, you're like, oh yeah, this is a band who knows exactly and the production as well. It's great. Really hits you in the face. Uh, I've got it here. I said, like, if you know, if I was in Dying Fetus, that would be a staple song at every show. Uh, so I thought, why isn't it? And then I looked it up. It's their second most played song. I just saw them twice, and they didn't play it either time. <laughs> I was just fucking really bad luck, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> amazing. But it's got so many kind of um, kind of iconic tracks like that. Just for homicide at the oh, end. Yeah. Uh, pissing in the mainstream as well. Again, another funny, like, I know that they seem to have a like a regular thing of like, let's just have a, a song that obviously is just like funny. They're not super serious, which I really appreciate. Especially considering a lot of the political lyrics are quite serious. Yeah, so it's like these moments of levity, like ah, pissing in the mainstream. You know, exactly. I think as well, it is a clear thing that basically half the vocalists, like Jason, cares about the lyrics to yeah, some extent. Exactly. John, I've mean, said on interview plenty of times, like lyrics are very much a secondary. Yeah. Like they, they probably the write them just before recording them. Like, yeah, these vocal because it's more about the vocal patterns rather than the lyrics. I think for John, 
and, and I think with this album we get more set in stone the thing of we get the slams like there's loads of like slam slamish mm. breakdowns and there is way more of the tech sections rather than solos. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think there's one solo on this album, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I can't remember which track it is, but I definitely got one and I thought, oh, there's a guitar solo. They don't, they're not, you know, it's so funny for like a band that's clearly very flashy on guitar to not just, because I mean, Slayer, both their guitar, I mean, I love Slayer, but both their guitarists are awful. But guitar solos are all over their <laughs> yeah, song. Two on every song yeah, at least. Exactly. Whereas, um, yeah, whereas these guys clearly can play guitar, and I think it's really interesting that they, you know, choose not to, or at least. They save that fashionist for riffs rather than for solos. But yeah, and so there's no massive change in how they write songs on this. I think it's just becoming more focused down yeah. to what Dying Features want to do. And it like really, since it's year 2000, this is well into the brutal death metal scene. And I think this album is starting to make them a bit of a flagship act for mm. that scene. Like, yeah, I don't know, that's the impression I got anyway. Yeah, I agree. I, cause also, it's interesting you said, um, so I've got him written down as Sparky here, because I think that's his nickname, but yeah. John Voiles, because he actually uh, went on to be in Misery Index as well for a couple of albums. Yeah, he seemed like, like quite a lot of um, the bands that sort of come with Jason at some point around the yeah, split. Yeah. But I don't think, because I think we both agree this album is genuinely really fantastic. There's not a single track I dislike. I think the whole album, and again, like, all of these albums tend to only be about maybe 30, 35 minutes long. So it's just a really good, absolutely solid listen. I Because after this, the band completely fell apart. John is the only remaining member uh, after this. I do wonder, I mean, obviously I love Misery Index, as we're, we're going to discuss in a bit. But I do wonder what Dying Fetus would have sounded like for another album or two if they'd kept this line up intact, or at least mostly intact. Yeah, because there did seem to be like a kind of focus, or like not, not even focus, of a discipline of like I. What I really like about this early stuff is keeping it short. As you say, mm. they're being good off-cut songs yeah. because they're like, no, thirty-five minutes is the max yeah, it's expected exactly. to be. Whereas some of the later albums, like well, wrong one to fuck with, almost an hour. Oh yeah, that's in my notes. <laughs> all right, all right well, <laughs> yeah. let, let, let's power on then. But yeah, yeah, so just like I said, um, as we're just quickly talking about it, there is a, a really interesting pattern uh, which is broken with Reign Supreme. Uh, every Dying Fetus album up till that point is um, is eight tracks long and all the titles are three words with the middle word being a connective one. So Infatuation with Benevolence, Bathe in Entrails, Purification Through Violence, etc. So it's, yeah, and then, and then Reign Supreme is when they decided to buck the trend for some reason. <laughs> Fair but, enough. Yeah, I think that eight track discipline works really well. Like, like I said about Grotesque and Palement, the, the unreleased track from this is great, would have fit on this perfect. They're like, no, no, let's keep this eight tracks, keep it really fucking solid. Oh, 
there's a, like an interesting event with Misery Index, although I don't think the release is really worthy of much um, uh, talking about. So Misery Index like split off from Dying Futures. Essentially, that entire lineup leaves Dying Futures mm. with John having to find more or less a new band. And Misery Index is um, formed with Jason Everton's bass and vocals, Kevin Tarley drumming, and uh, Mike Harrison. Uh, on guitar and vocals. Mike, interestingly, has been like a guest vocalist for both bands. <laughs> yeah. Like, he sort of keeps appearing, but he doesn't stick with Misery Index long. He's got both their phone numbers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> clearly. Um, but yeah, like, the Overthrow EP um, that came out that year, it's like 10 minutes. It's a bit of a proof of concept. I don't yeah. find it particularly memorable. There, there's absolutely, because what I've done, I've actually got the, um, well, I've ordered it, I've listened to it online, the Pulling Out the Nails compilation yeah. of Misery Index, and it, it's, it's about an hour long, because I think Misery Index to begin with did a bunch of EPs and splits before they actually kind of knuckled down and did an album. All of that stuff, like, and it's all chronological, is available on that, um, Pulling Out the Nails. But you can all feel it's like, yeah, the band that, they're, they're like early like, pre-album stuff is... I think it has a confidence of like people who have played with each other before and released albums before. So like early Dying Fetus, where it's clearly their first time in a proper studio, they don't really know what they're doing. Like yeah. there's, there's a level of like, no, no, I've done enough albums, I know what I'm doing, but they're still kind of finding their feet a bit. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, as Finn said, though, well worth um, looking up. It's, it's, it's on Bandcamp as well, like so you can you can get it digitally. They've got Misery and done a great job collecting together every other song they've done because yeah. they've done thousands so we won't really mention any of the smaller releases we'll just hit those compilations <laughs> yeah. when we get to them but anyway I move on to that and talk about the first new lineup Dying Fetus album Stop at Nothing from 2003 which is a bizarre one because we get Dying Fetus very briefly and he, they toured like this um, as a five piece with um, Sean Beasley coming in on bass uh, Vince Matthews coming in on vocals from band Criminal Element uh, Sean Beasley was also from uh, what they called Sadistic. Is it Sadistic Sadistic Torment? Sadistic, uh, Sadistic Torment. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, another guy pulled from that band. Um, Vince Matthews does guest vocals on the first album. Oh really? Yeah, oh, I, I, I totally didn't recognise. <laughs> yeah, that. it was just, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So Vince Matthews uh, was Jason Everton's vocal coach as well. <laughs> oh wow, yeah. he's a good screamer. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, he's got because I think Jobsy uh, and I think John sent this interview at the time. He said obviously you know, we've lost. Uh, all the band and, you know, the other vocalists. He's like, whoever I get in has to at least kind of sound like that to continue the dynamics. He's like, oh, I'll get the guy who taught Jason how to do his vocals. Yeah, that makes <laughs> yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. And yeah, then we get two guys who don't really last particularly long with the band of Mike Kimball uh, on guitars from Disordered and Eric uh, Sayenga uh, on drums, who I think the most prominent band he was in was Witch Hunt, but he's got... He's, he's interesting. He's in a few of those very strange um, Amer- early American black metal bands where... They couldn't quite get the aesthetic right. Like they, they're interesting musically, but you know those band photos you get where people are like in a field, but there's clearly a chain link fence in the background, yeah. and, and they got really dodgy corpse paint. Oh. A lot of those acts. So points for effort, not for execution. Yeah, they're fun to look back on, but they're they're weird. <laughs> um, yeah, the the problem this has, following on from uh, uh, sorry, the opposition for me. Is stop at nothing's drum sound is horrible. Oh god, yeah, that's one of my notes. The production, like it's on one hand, I think that because the production as a whole, it's you know the album cover as well, and and the, well, the title clearly has a double meaning. Because on one hand, they're like oh stop at nothing, you know proletariats, whatever. I'm like clearly it's also a message of like yeah, we're not going to stop just because everyone quit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, like, yeah so I, I think the production has got this slightly industrial kind of vibe. I think to go along with like the workhouse thing, but yeah, in, in practice, it just it just doesn't sound very good. Yeah, I think Stop at Nothing is a really interesting album. There's a lot of tracks on it that are kind of 
legendary as well. I think it's a very um, it's an album people like songs from, but they're almost best represented live yeah. since. So yeah, so the, the, I mean, it's one of those albums. Unfortunately, I think the first two tracks, I think Schematics and One Shot One Kill, I genuinely love those tracks. Fantastic. I don't. The, the other songs all have good bits in them, but I think the album starts really strong and then kind of unfortunately falls off the way a bit. I'd say I quite like uh, Stop It Nothing the whole way through. I, I, I forget the name of it. The last track. So, yeah, this this will keep happening. I do apologise. I'm not as versed as Diabetes as Finn. <laughs> I have well, been I powering through the listening recently, but I remember really liking the final track on Stop It Nothing, but I can't remember the name of it for the life of me. Oh, I, don't, I don't have that one on CD. Yeah, yeah, I don't have it on CD either, annoyingly. Well, there were some really good bits. I think, I can't remember what song it is. It might be called uh, Banded All Hope. There's a really good song where at the end it, like, it breaks down, it kind of keeps slowing down, it trips over itself and adds more flourishes as it goes on. I'm like, yeah, I really like passages like that. But there's another thing I noticed about this album, which I, I, this might be me being really unfair. But I've said, I know it's like, if you look at all their early song titles, even up to Destroy the Opposition, they've always had that, I'd say that kind of Megadeth quality of having weirdly verbose song titles that kind of like, oh, that's cool, because it's weird, but it's interesting, you know, like Purged of My Worldly Being, or whatever. This one has really kind of almost generic song titles, like Vengeance Unleashed and Abandon All Hope. Like, I like guess still cool metal titles, but they don't have that, like, you've got a song called, you know, Praise the Lord, Opium of the Masses. It's, it's kind of verbose and, and strange, whereas these song titles are a lot more like, I don't know, just they, they seem a lot more like, oh, I need a metal song title. Yeah, that, that, that sounds like... But, but I think that is some of, like, the focus on this is more in the riff writing, in mm. the the inclusion of those technical parts, because actually, the big thing in this is now we've got Sean Beasley on bass, mm. so when those technical shreds come in, the yeah. bass is right there, and it there's, there's something about, like, I actually quite like the, the guitar and bass recording on this, I think it's quite nice, like, it does have a fairly big heft to it. Like, I mean, maybe that's, the, as you say, like, it's almost industrial sound, but yeah. I quite like Stop at Nothing. I, I don't know, I, I don't know how that aligns with people, but yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this on my listening because it, it's sort of a bit different to the oh, yeah. others. Like, it sounds out of place almost. Well, I think cause I think what we've both done, obviously, is we've, we've got this whole list of albums and because you've listened to them pretty much back to back, Stop at Nothing does stand out for, I think it's production, it's kind of songwriting, so it does feel very different to what's come before. It doesn't just kind of get added onto the pile, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. But I think yeah, when I was younger, this is always my least favourite Dying Fetus album. Really? Okay, yeah. I've I've got two or three oh, that I'd put yeah. away. Yeah. Well, so so listening to all well, I mean, we'll get onto it. But this is not my least favourite anyway. <laughs>
this is their debut album, Retaliate, from 2003. Um, total lineup change for that demo. Uh, Sparkly Voiles, or John Voiles, rejoins on guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Matt Byers comes in on uh, on drums. Uh, interesting as well, uh, Retaliate is produced by produced and recorded by the two main guys behind, or, like, main guys from Modern Cataclysm, okay. uh, who are a Canadian band, so I, I assume they recorded this up in Canada. Maybe. Well, I mean, I mean they're all misery annex all over the globe now. I think Jason Netherton currently lives in Finland. But yeah, but that's more of a recent development. Yeah. I, they were all in one place at the time of... Actually, yeah, there's, there's a particular point where that kicks in. But yeah, so uh, just an interesting detail. Maybe they're just friendly with cataclysm. I assume yeah. they toured together. But yeah, where does Re- Retaliate stand for you in the Misery Index catalogue? So I've got... This is a very weird confession. I don't know why, but um, all the other... Obviously, I know Complete Control only came out a few months ago, so that one's quite new as well. Uh, I'd actually, for some reason, never got around to listening to this one until, oh, yeah. until we did the podcast. I thought... I just for some reason I thought I was the first album, whatever, which is really fucking stupid. I, I have no idea why, but um, yeah, good. I actually really liked this. I was worried that I'd be like, oh, maybe it's a bit too early because uh, the first di- time, oh, God, I shouldn't get their names confused. First misery index album I got into was uh, the one afterwards, Discordia, uh, and the production is a bit rough on that one. So I guess I always just thought, oh, Retaliate probably has. I think going back to this, bear in mind I've listened to this way after the fact and I've known everything else afterwards. This is a really solid starting, but I can almost consider this one and the follow up album. They almost seem like like two halves of uh, like they go together. They're both very similar. I think Discordia kind of basically follows this up and does it again, just with a bit more confidence. But this is fantastic. I mean, like I said, I know this is a band who have all of them have recorded albums before, but there is so much aggression and, and confidence in this. Yeah, so we should say for, for listeners who aren't familiar with Misery Index, I think that they are undoubtedly a smaller band, but by almost by design, they don't tour yeah, yeah. as much. They they spend more time on the day job outside of um, music. But yeah, this is quite a different direction to uh, to Dying Features. The, the the tech passages are completely gone. That that never yeah. becomes a part of what Mozilla Index do. There is way more clear kind of punk and hardcore yeah. influence. A little bit of grindcore in places, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I, I think Jason said he specifically quit Dying Features because he was getting sick of writing music that didn't have that influence. Mm. Which is funny, because the two bands do still sound kind of similar. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it is, it is, we're not even, like, it's just that thing of, it's amazing the minutiae of death metal, where <laughs> yeah. you can have a guy going like, I've got to leave Dying yeah, Feast. I want a slightly <laughs> different shade of black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, they are, they, they do notice we have their own sound. I think my big issue with Retaliate actually is almost that problem of it doesn't quite have its own sound enough. Mm. I could, you could fool me certain tracks on this were Dying Future songs, I think. Yeah, well, I, I, I've got to imagine, especially because I think it's their first album, he probably did write a lot of stuff in the Dying Future days and then obviously yeah, he joined a new band. Oh, cool, I, you know, I might as well just bring over all my demos and stuff. So some of these probably at some point were maybe intended to be Dying Future songs. That's why a bit of their DNA is uh, still in there as well. But yeah, so for me, I Dying Features I'm relatively familiar with, but um, Misery Index only knew like two albums well. So in my listening to this, Retaliate is one that hasn't stuck with me as well. I, I, I don't have a lot more to say on it. Like, yeah, because uh, well, I listened to it for some reason for the first time recently. Um, I've listened to it again a few times. I think I'll, I'll give it another few tries, but yeah, I can't see this kind of long term. I don't think this is going to really be up there with uh, some of their other releases for me. But really good first uh, first starting point though. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a strong debut. Which actually brings us on to Discordia, as, as Finn says, three years later. Dying Features kind of slow down the album releases, so we're going to have a lot of Misery Index coming in between. So they get a second album out before the next Dying Features, Discordia 2006. Once again, another uh, lineup change. We get um, Adam Jarvis comes in on drums, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah replacing uh, Matt Byers. Um, 
Mark uh, Copel uh, comes in on guitar and vocals, adding a second voice to the band. And John Voyles is is on guitar, and I believe like he's lead guitar for the project. Yeah. And what's really interesting about this is the then sort of the really clear thing you get with a lot of Misery Index of split songwriting. Each band member does some of the songwriting. Like everyone has a song credit. Jason's got like about five. Uh, Mark uh, Copel coming in as a new guy is incredibly mm. writes almost half the album. Yeah, I think Adam writes some of the lyrics as well. Yeah, Adam does a lot of uh, a lot of lyric writing on it, um, and and they say the drummer always writes all the drum parts. So. Yeah, yeah. But also, I don't know how accurate those credits are because they say a lot of this album and the next two were written in the practice space. So oh, really? it was people bringing just, riffs to the practice yeah. space, then they they'd fit them together, and then and then this is actually a big misery index thing, which totally wouldn't be true of Dying Fetus, I imagine. They say they often write and then will choose to repeat verses or bits like that more if they think there's a good lyric to go with it. Oh, okay. Which, oh, so that's totally... That yeah, from so pieces, yeah. the, the band are thinking about the lyrics a lot more. Mm. Um, I fucking love this Oh, I love this one as well. This was... Uh, again, I, I'm so bad at following through on stuff that I like, but I got back into this album. In, uh, I got into this album back in 2014. Oh, yeah. Uh, when, when I discovered the... I was like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. I looked at Dying Feats on Wikipedia or whatever. Oh, Misery Nicks, I should check them out. So I've liked this album for years. Genuinely, uh, you know, uh, nostalgia probably plays a part. But I, yeah, I honestly think this album is genuinely fantastic. Uh, but yeah, for some reason, I never thought to get into the rest of their stuff until Rituals of Power came out. Really? But, yeah, I've always loved this album. Um, you know, I've said about the lineup, Mark and Adam still in the band to this day as well. Yeah, yeah, this is really, like, this is the band, like, kind of solidifying mm. sort of what they are. And even Sparky was on the next two albums as well. So yeah, Sparky's a big part of the band, him. yeah. He, he's, like, weirdly, like, not, I feel not remembered much as, because he's in Dying Fetus quite a lot as well, yeah, yeah. like. Considering, yeah, considering he's been on, you know, really fundamental releases from both bands, it's weird he's not kind of brought up more in these conversations. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and as, like, I believe lead guitarist, like, he plays some, Really cool solos on yeah, this, yeah, exactly. which is the other the other thing that's very different mm. to uh, Dying Feet is plenty of solos in Misery Index yeah. music. So yeah, so now that we're kind of really into Misery, so one of the main things I noticed uh, between the bands we talked about songwriting as well is that Dying Fetus, not always, but I'd say probably ninety nine percent of the time have like on non traditional song structures. They don't really do verses and choruses, yeah, which I think yeah. is cool, man. I, you know, like I, I don't always write verse chorus stuff. I think that's like really cool. Misery Index, very like again, not always, but they very much do have verses and choruses. And I think that's the lean towards punk because mm. it, it's a death metal thing not to have those repeating structures. Like you look at say, I'm thinking say something like Override the Overture by uh, Dismember. That is just a collection of like fifteen <laughs> fucking riffs. Yeah. Like there's a few repeating bits, but it's. It's a total mess, and I kind of love that about old death metal, where it's like, this, like, I think, with punk, you expect a yeah. verse or a structure. Yeah, you expect a refrain and a, and a familiar bit and everything. And, and I think it's, I think as well, like, Jason Everton definitely likes putting some hooks in his vocal lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's weird, considering that the vocals are all exclusively heavy, there's definitely vocal hooks in his voice. It's not melodic, but it's catchy in a sense, you know. And he, and he writes in rhyming couplets and stuff, mm, like yeah, he, exactly. which which a lot of death metal vocalists will. You you read lyrics stuff like Nile, where it's just completely <laughs> yeah. like someone's just written a block of text. Yeah, and like, cool. Let me fit this into the song. Yeah, now. <laughs> I mean, it often sounds cool, but it's 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 less of an immediately catchy sound, and that's what gets over Discordia's slightly naff recording. Is mm. the songwriting just amazing? Every oh, yeah. bit of it is so catchy. Yeah, well, it's, it's similar to the praise we gave. Pure Purification through violence. It's songs that are so good they shine despite the fact the production doesn't always kind of uh, 
back them up, so to speak. Yeah, the only issue I have with it is the cover is really bad. Yeah, the cover is awful, isn't it? Like, what is going on with the guy, the strange character on the front cover's hair? It's, it's too cartoony. Yeah, it's, it's a very strange... I think it put me off listening to it for years, and the cover is just really happy. naff. Whereas the later ones, they, they get some quite good ones. But yeah, Discordia... Possibly my favourite Misery Index really? album. Yeah. Well, this, this, well, I mean, uh, this was my favourite. Even when I got into the rest of their discography, I always thought, oh, that one's probably my favourite until I eventually realised, which we'll talk about. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll save, <laughs> save that for when we get to it. But yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this one, I also want to shout out, there's a bit, it's about three minutes, seven seconds in Unmarked Graves, the beginning track. Everything drops out. It's just the, uh, the bass and the drums and the guitar just does some chugs and then it fucking kicks in with this riff. And, oh, God, it's, it, just talk about it. It's getting my... Um, getting goosebumps it's so fucking heavy it just makes you go oh I need to stand up fucking hell yeah yeah yeah. Uh, that, that track is incredible yeah. and also there's a fun little trend uh, which they only seem to do for these two records uh, where the second to last track is a, is a purposefully slower doomier melodic one going into the last track which is just a fucking belter to close out the album really, yeah because um, Traitors does that as well Very hot on the heels of that, we get Dying Fetus's um, fifth album, 2007's War of Attrition, uh, which features a bit of a kind of condensing of the lineup. Um, Sean Baisley started doing his vocals, which mm. real important signature for the band from then from then on. Um, Mike Kimball's still on guitar, but we have uh, uh, Joanne Timlin coming on drums from... Oh, actually, I might be confusing him. He's from Forest of Impaled and Sarcophagus and many other projects. He's done a lot of black metal stuff as well. Oh, okay. But then Witch Hunt were also... Uh, maybe both the guys do, but... Oh, you guys have had a million names. Yeah. This is my least favourite Dying Features album. Oh, you know what, Phil? I'm relieved to say <laughs> I totally agree with you. <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, so... Totally agree. So I, I, 
I think the first track is brilliant. That's my, my note. Let me read out my exact notes here. I want to point out that the opening track, Homicidal Retribution, is genuinely, absolutely a 10 out of 10 fucking balls to the wall classic song. Absolute perfection. <laughs> yeah, and, and then the, yeah, the album totally runs out of steam. Yeah, the just, second half is so unmemorable. Yeah. So, like, there's, I mean, again, I think like good riffs kind of naturally come to uh, these guys. There are, I was listening, I was like, there's some bits of, oh, that's a cool riff or whatever. But it's just, it feels so. Um, I don't know, it feels like it's going through the motions or, you know. Yeah, there's something a little uninspired about this one. And, it, and it's a shame because I wouldn't say that for most of Dying Theatres' mm. catalogue. They they are a hard-working band and seem to only put out albums when they've got an idea. Yeah. So, yeah, War of Attrition, just very, it's just very disappointing. But I can't harp on an album too badly. Five albums into a catalogue and still putting out a career best song on yeah, it. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, you, like I said, that was one of the the tracks that was you know it's got a music video and it's, I was like yeah, there's a reason that track is so fucking you know well known. That's that's another reason I got into Dying Fetus because um when I used to be in a, a metal band, a guitar player um he said like oh yeah blah, 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 what's your favorite death metal lyric? Because like mine is um you are fucking worthless. I don't give a fuck about you. So I was like oh what's that? I looked up. I was like oh it's Dying Fetus. There we go. <laughs> that that song I think was the first I heard from them like seeing that yeah. music video and it's got those tech bits where I was like. Oh shit! It's, yeah, it's such a well-structured song, and it flows really well. It's and we might as well, you know, to, to bring some positivity. It's kind of so lucky because I think Sean Beasley on vocals, for my money, I think he's actually the best vocalist of you know any of the ones that we're sort of discussing yeah, today. He's brilliant. Yeah, I he's love his great voice. voice. Great voice and a fucking phenomenal bass player. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. So I, I think it's kind of a shame that his. I mean, it's very lucky that they were like, oh fuck, you know, Vince Matthews has quit. Well, Sean, you know, why don't you just give it a go and find someone else? Turns out he's fucking amazing. Absolutely brilliant voice. He's yeah. so characterful. He's so clear as well. He's, he's yeah. got that, I mean, he's got a very different voice to Corpse Grinder, but I like he, he enunciates really well. You can like, here's half of the lyrics. I can always sort of pick out what he's saying. Yeah, I really like that in Death Metal. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and I think he's such a good counterpoint to John's bullfrog, like yeah. super low, which sounds brilliant in its own way. But yeah, anyway, let's not not stay too long on an album we're not as into. Uh, come to one I think you fucking love. This is 2008's uh, Mr. Index's third album, Traitors. Yeah, well, like, let me just read out my note here. It said, it's so hard to make objective notes about this album, I'm completely and utterly in love with it. <laughs> is it this is your, I'm guessing this is your oh, absolute favourite. This is my favorite. absolute favourite Misery Index album. I, this is, I mean, it's hard to sort of really keep track of a top ten, but this has got to be in my top ten albums of all time. I just, it, again, I'm, I'm trying to sort of think of interesting things to say. It's just... It's from start to finish. It's so good. I mean, I'll, I'll start with the production. Like we said, Retaliate and especially Discordia are great. Let down by production. The fucking leap from Discordia to Traitors in terms of the sound. This. So my, my little anecdote when I first heard this album uh, again, it's, it's 2019 when Ritual's Power came out. I was like, yeah, let me check out the other Misery Index stuff. Uh, I was going to my friend's house for a party, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll listen to this Traitors album. Literally from that opening riff, which is just the the chugging, I thought, right, I'm going to walk the long way. I need to hear where this is going. <laughs> yeah, so so there is no change in the lineup, but the big change is, I think um, we get Kurt Ballou on to on to produce, engineer it, and yeah, that's why it sounds it's, it's fucking. Is, Kurt Ballou is a genius. Like yeah. you just every obviously obviously Adam Jarvis is for my money probably the best drummer on uh, you know, any of these albums that we're talking about. His drum sound on this is so good because he's a really technical drummer and you can feel every little flourish he does and it's all so heavy but it's so clear as well. Yeah, yeah, no, no, Adam Jarvis is is a force of nature on this and and he they, they, they've been clever with the mix of he is so much more in your face mm. like and it's not so not so like it's a very different mix to what you get for a Dying Features album it's yeah it, it sounds really brutal but it sounds really brutal in a kind of grindcore way yeah. rather than that heavy slam brutal yeah. death metal way yeah there's a lot of clarity to it hmm 
I'd say this is definitely up there for Misery Index albums for me. Like I really like this era, like Discordia through um, through the next few. It's just yeah, yeah. I, I think for for my money, their kind of golden trio is um, Discordia, Traitors, and Ace of Thievery. Yeah, I, I I think a lot of people are on board with that. The they, there's particular tracks like uh, probably one of my favourites of this kind of period, uh, Ghost of uh, Catalonia, mm. is incredible. Absolutely brilliant that yeah. song. Well, I th- I think the structured album was great because you got that kind of opening. I mean, it's not technically instrumental because he shouts at the end of it. But you got yeah, the instrumental yeah. opening track and then into Theocracy, which is awesome. Part into Partisans of Grief. I always pronounce that one wrong. And you basically it just it keeps flowing from yeah these kind of longer, more epic songs like Ghost of Catalonia or Occupation. Uh, and then you got like it's got like a couple of just fucking two minute bangers like The Arbiter and Ruling Class Cancelled. And then my absolute favourite stretch of uh, Misery Index's discography is the second to last track, Thrown into the Sun. Which is, it's so atmospheric, it's like really slow and, and again, the production really sells the kind of slowness and the heaviness of it. It genuinely feels really apocalyptic. Yeah, It's like, you know, climate change and everything. And then finishing on Black Sight. And then it goes directly (laughs) into Black Sight, which I remember once, Phil, I think we were um, at my house listening to this album and kind of, um, Black Sight came on and you just like, fuck, this sounds apocalyptic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because the the issue, the reason I didn't get into Traitors at the time it came out is because the first song I heard of it, and I think this might even be a single, is the title track. Yeah, yeah. And it's the worst song in the album. Yeah, well, exactly. I think it works in the context of the album because it's like, oh, cool, here's like a really singly kind of short yeah. song in amongst this more complex stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's a good representation of the album, but it fits on the album really well. It fits. I wish he thought some more lyrics than just saying traitors over <laughs> and over again. It gets so much. It's the only, yeah. it's probably why it's not my favourite album, is that like two minutes yeah. of that. This is really like well, that's their, halfway there. That's their closing song every um, every show as well. Really? I've it, never seen Misery in Death Live. In fact, literally the most violent and dangerous mosh pit I've ever been in. I saw uh, Misery Index and the Stag and Hounds in Bristol in 2017 <laughs> during Traitors. That's the only time in mosh pit I thought, I might die here. <laughs> Which is really funny because, yeah, for people not from the area, the Stag and Hounds isn't even really a proper venue. It's a pub. Yeah. Uh, they, they occasionally... So this would be... There is a glass window behind them just out onto the street yeah. and these guys are moshing between a couple of pillars next to a staircase. So the Stag Hounds is... Uh, the building is twinned with a, a venue called The Exchange. Um, I, I strongly suspect they were meant to play The Exchange and then someone fucked up and double booked, which is why they played the Stag <laughs> Hounds instead. I wish I, I wish I had missed that. Um, yeah, I, I don't... I, I think we've heaped enough praise yeah, on traitors. I just, I, yeah, I can't... Like I, said, I, I want to think of something interesting to say. I just... You know, and if, if anyone listening hasn't listened... Like, I don't know if anyone's going to listen to all these albums. I would personally say, just listen to this one. I, I'm completely in love with it. If, I think Traitors is a really... It was probably the starting point I'd recommend for Misery Index because it's more accessible production than Discordia. Mm.
yeah, so this brings us on to to the yeah, a start of a real kind of era of dying fetus. Um, we get the free piece era with Descent into Depravity in 2009. So uh, Trey Williams joins the drums, still with the band now, 13 yeah. years later. Um, and I believe we, have, we, we've we lost the second guitarist. Yeah, yeah. Point, so it's, we, yeah. The, it's their first, al- first album as a three piece with you know, just John, Sean, and then Trey Williams on drums. And this is still the lineup they have to this day as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Steve Wright comes in uh, recording it, who will be with them for the next few albums. I think it's the same. I think uh, Orion Landau um, comes in to do the cover art and he does the next few. Also, these Misery Index ones. Oh, is it? The... Yeah. So this oh, is wow. this is the really funny thing. I think Steve Wright has worked with Misery Index and Orion Landau did the covers for both Traitors and Airs to Thievery, but also Descent into Depravity <laughs> and possibly Reign Supreme. I, oh, wow. Yeah, this, so, is, this people just the, the crew surrounding his bands is just so interwoven. Well, it's probably because one of them goes, "Oh yeah, you know," or maybe John goes to Jason, or Jason goes to John, saying, "Oh, we're thinking about getting someone for our artwork." Oh yeah, I'd recommend this guy. We've worked with them; they're, they're really good. <laughs> yeah, there, there does seem to be a lot of oh, check this out. We, we've got this thing. Yeah. This, this worked really well. So yeah, I mean, so this album, I I love this album. I think it's really really good. Uh, like we were saying about the two different eras of the band, I think people who are into the, what I call newer Dying Fetus, I think this is held up as the as the best album. Yeah, I... I, I well, you know, that, that's definitely not true. It's yeah. Reign Supreme. Really? Everyone loves Reign Supreme. That, they, that surprises me. We'll, we'll talk about we'll Reign Supreme when we get there. Yeah. I Yeah, I, I I really like the Sentence of Bravity. I think um, the opening track oh, is one yeah. of their greats. Your Treachery Will Die With You. That, it's yeah, that's the other so thing, good. Yeah. It, it is so... Like, I top two Dying Vita songs. Wow. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. love this song. It's funny enough, my favourite track of this album is actually the closing one, Ethos of Coercion. It's just, it's a very good song. Yeah, it's more, I think because it's more straightforward than the rest. It just feels like, right, we're just going to close out on just a fucking, you know, straightforward banger. Which I looked at, I thought, God, you know, again, I'd love them to play that at gigs. Looks like they just played it on that tour of the album and then just shelved it. Like, oh. But the thing is, now you're into that realm. The band are eight albums. The guarantee of yeah. them playing any given song hit, is, yeah. But you know, if you ever speak to them, let them know that it's yeah, a good yeah. track. You know, might well, bring it back. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, now that now that we've got to this lineup, this is the lineup of the band that, uh, that I met. They're really nice. So I saw them twice. It was on the same tour, which is probably why they well, they played the same set list both times. But I saw them in Reading, and they were so good. I thought, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to have to go to uh, London and see them again. But yeah, so I met them all. Like you know, like. They're just really friendly, considering we're in a band called Dying Fetus. They're all up for pictures and sort of hanging out, especially Trey Williams. He was uh, especially friendly. But then Sean, I uh, when I saw them in Camden, uh, I, I bumped into him at the World's End bar next to it, and I was like, "Oh, hey, um, Sean, yeah, I just I saw you guys in Reading." He's like, "Oh, you came to see us again? Oh, I appreciate that, man. Thank you." And I was like, "That was real gratitude. That's that, you know, that's always stuck with me. That that's really cool that he, uh, you know." It's why I don't hold any of the more dumb shit against yeah. them because they do seem like nice dudes. Um, yeah, and uh, like I think Descent of Depravity. Is kind of one of those things that this this time period and all that is why the band is so cemented is really important because the album sounds fucking great yeah. like it sounds oh, really so big thick. and heavy like they finally found the person to record mm. them I think with Steve Wright and them being a power trio live was fucking mind blowing like yeah. it's so rare to see a death metal band with one guitar and no additional vocalists. That sound this heavy, yeah, exactly. and they sound really fucking heavy. Exactly. And, and that's credit to Sean Beasley. He's such a good bass player that he, you know, you don't need to say guitarist when he plays what could essentially be lead on bass. You know, doing all the sweeps. Like if anyone uh, goes to watch the the music video for um, 
your treachery will die with you. He's there matching the sweeps on the guitar. I'm like, Jesus, this yeah, guy's a yeah. fucking shredder. And, and, and while both of them happily doing vocals for outside, yeah, no, yeah. They, I have seen them live multiple times now and they just look at so at ease. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they play it effortlessly, don't they? Yeah. I am utterly amazed by, by like their, their, their sort of skill as a live band. And mm. I think that's what sells them to me like so much is, is watching it recreated live. I yeah. genuinely couldn't believe it. Does mean there's not a lot of headbanging or movement in the sound. Yeah, you have two exactly. guys tied to microphones yeah, playing yeah. very complex riffs. It's like Trey's there at the back, probably throwing his uh, recently cut <laughs> hair around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Descent of Gravity, real, real interesting kind of uh, point for the band. And, and I think just such a kind of brilliant course correction from a slightly duller album behind it. Yeah, well, like I said, um, I, I mean, in my notes, I, I appreciate you quite like Stop at Nothing, but I, I consider the Stop at Nothing and War of Attrition to be a little bit meandering, well, especially War of Attrition. This felt like a band going, no, fuck it, you know, we're, we've, 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 especially since they settled on the power trio, we're redefining ourselves. They do it with such confidence. This is, I, I, I love this track. There are no bad tracks on this. I think every song has something a bit special to it. They all earn their place. Yeah, I, I love this album. The next sort of release, same year, Misery Index putting out the pulling out the Nails compilation, which is one of their two like decent compilations. If you want all the kind of shit they did in between, um, it's got some great stuff on it. I, I think it's, hasn't it got the original? Is this the one the original EP? Yes. It's oh yeah, all the material from two thousand one to two thousand eight that yeah. isn't on an album. Yeah, it's like all the tracks. I think up to either Traitors or Airs to Thievery, all the unreleased stuff, which is really good. It's and. and uh, not to jump ahead, but obviously they did coffin up the nails about ten years later. I think it's good that they seem to be in the habit of going. Well, every ten years we'll just gather up all the various you know, EPs and splits and just put them out there. I'm like that's that's a cool cool habit to get into. I think. I think it's great for a band because it means you, especially when you're a band that people really obsess over. It means you mm. don't have these songs that people like, but have to spend their fucking life savings trying yeah, to track down. Exactly. 
you know, the, the Japanese only <laughs> release seven inch, like exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I just spent thirty pounds uh, getting the CD and DVD version of this uh, from the Netherlands on Discogs. It's, it's got some great stuff on it. My only note is forty nine seconds of hate is not actually that heavy for a forty nine seconds long song <laughs> called forty nine seconds of hate. I thought you were going to say it's not actually forty nine seconds. It is forty nine seconds. On, on it's some, just not that heavy. On some Spotify versions, it's fifty seconds. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it depends on rounding. I just think it's very funny. It's like hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's one nice second yeah. in there, but, but it's just not that heavy. I was like, yeah. it's called forty nine seconds of hate. I was expecting a non stop blast beat. It's actually kind of slow. Yeah. Well, like I, said, I, I appreciate that they put out everything. Uh, I do think, like, when they said, oh, here's, like, the seven-inch version of, sort of, certain Discordia tracks, I think, I don't need that stuff so much. No, no, but, no. Uh, but I appreciate having it all in, in one place. I mean, because it's, I think it's an hour and five minutes, something like that. It's an exhausting so, list. Yeah, it's just a lot to get through. But, um, but yeah, it's cool having all of that in one place. The track that really surprised me, which might surprise you as well, is the acoustic version yes. of Discordia. <laughs> yeah, it's I thought, is it, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it's... It's actually kind of great. Yeah, it's really cool, especially because I, I thought, all right, well, how are they going to do the vocals then? And they just do that kind of weird spoken word, um, like heavily uh, distorted sort of vocal style. I think this is what the bass in there as well. Yeah, it's still it's, got an electric bass. It's, yeah. it's quite similar. I don't know which of the two bands did this first. Monolith Death God did an acoustic version of one of their oh, songs. Nice. They did a similar thing where it's sort of like a very low voice spoken word for yeah. places in the growl and it... It's actually kind of cool. I don't. I don't think I'd like more than a couple of songs in it. But yeah. for a one-off, I was like, oh, that's, it works. that's yeah. a cool track. I was listening to it. I thought, sort of, myself going, oh, you can hum along, and there's like, there's more melodies in there than you would have maybe necessarily thought from the Harry version. Is yeah. I just thought it was really cool that uh, you wouldn't have thought Misery Index could translate a song to acoustic guitar, but yeah, it works really well. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And I really like just the live tracks at the end as well. Yeah, the live songs are probably like the highlight of it, and, yeah. and a nice thing to chuck in a collection like that. Next up, we have um, Misery Index's Airs to Fevery. From 2010, which is well and truly the successor album to Traitors. Same lineup, same guy recording it, same same kind of um, yeah, same artist, like same style of cover even. Yeah, yeah, these are very much even though they're not. I don't think they're really similar albums necessarily, but it's definitely like they're of a you know you can tell one comes after the other. They're kind of of a piece. Yeah, yeah, they they, they just seem like the band was on a real tear because he's like two years or so apart, and yeah, they're just like ploughing on with this you can see mark and jason have really settled into their roles as lead songwriters writing most like all the lyrics and almost all the music uh, adam jarvis is credited with two tracks and uh sparkly is credited with one yeah um yeah uh it's it's great it's yeah. really great it's just not quite as great as traitors yeah i agree because i've looked up online and the Basically, the consensus of what is the best Misery Index album does kind of seem to be split between uh, this one and Traitors. I can see why people love this one. I just think it's it's got a bit of a narrower focus than Traitors. I think it's Traitors. Like I mean, not that Traitors is like all massively varied prog sections or whatever. But Traitors, I think, has a bit more variance. This is. I mean, it's a bit shorter. This one's. You know, sorry to make a Slayer comparison. This one's more of a Rain and Blood of like let's just fucking belt through yeah, loads yeah. of you know really kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. The production's great. There's some really standout bits, like um, all the track Sleeping Giants. Is, is Sleeping Giants is amazing. Featuring, and before I even looked up, I was like, that's John Gallagher. Yeah, John Gallagher. <laughs> yeah. Did you catch the other cool guest vocalist? Uh, no, I did not. Eric Rutens on, um, really? on, uh, oh, it, the, yeah, on the Illuminaut. Oh, nice. Oh, fuck, no, I didn't. I missed that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah the, I think there's another track I really like, which is the, the Seventh Calvary, which has that, um, if anyone knows the song Scourge of Iron by Cannibal Corpse, you know, that like has the world's simplest riff, but it's really good. It's the same with that. It has a breakdown in the middle where the riff is just dillin, 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 dillin. It's like, I know that's really simple to play, but my God, does it sound good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that Misery Index are more the band for that. They have mm. a lot of those riffs which you're like, 
any death metal band could have come up with this. Yeah. But Mr. Index did. Exactly. And, and they put it to a really good drum beat exactly. and the yeah. vocals sound good. It's, it's the power of having a fantastic drummer. You can afford to go say, okay, yeah, this isn't the world's most technical riff, but it's simple and we know the drummer's going to you know, fucking match it and bring up the intensity. I think also with this album, and maybe it's unfair to his performance on Traitors, I think Mark's getting better as a vocalist because he becomes more and more an important vocalist throughout every subsequent album. Yeah, well, I, cause, I mean, I think their voices, you can tell them apart, but it's not like Dying Fetus where it's very clear who it's mm. uh, I was actually surprised when I, saw, I was watching some live tracks and music videos I was like oh bits that I thought were Jason were actually Mark yeah yeah yeah, yeah which kind of surprised me Mark, Mark like, really does pull his weight like both vocally and in terms of guitar on this yeah, yeah. It, it's a brilliant album but I don't have much more to say about it than that yeah it... well, my only thing and this, this is me just being really uh, like finicky but um, I think Sleeping Giants I think would have actually been a better closer I do like the last track which I think is called Deus uh, or Day of the Dead sorry I know they, they sing in Spanish in it uh, Day of the Dead I think is a really cool track I just think Sleeping Giants feels really, especially bringing John Gallagher and everything, it feels really kind of climactic. And this just feels a bit like, oh yeah, and here's another song to finish. I think that's, a running, that's going to be a running trend for both bands, is yeah. putting a bit too much on the album, which, uh, you know, like, as things to bitch about is, is yeah, a bit exactly. a Oh bit no, I have for two minutes of death metal. <laughs> but I am someone, I think we both have this thing of we're people who like albums with a real final statement yeah, at the end exactly yeah it's something where you're like oh that is the end of the album either something where it's a definitive stop or like an like you know if you're going for more of a kind of progressive thing maybe some uh, kind of an epilogue like obviously in our, our band doing with very much in the do an epilogue kind of uh, camp but yeah I just think dude, having a really cool what would have been a cool closing track oh and here's just a, a, another song as well actually that, saying that Discordia does exactly the same thing but I think it works with Discordia because the second last track is purposely very slow and then it all kind of uh, I, to, uh... Yeah, well, I, I think I think the last track feels like it's really tacked on on, on Discordia. Oh, I mean, actually, probably more so than Day of yeah. the Dead. I don't, but I really these guys like they, they often have very good title tracks, barring yeah. traitors. <laughs> 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 Yeah, we get into a bit of a dying thesis a bit now. Um, history repeats. History repeats. I fucking hate this. <laughs> yeah, what I say, when, I, when I was um, sort of doing my, my research and my notes for this, I really couldn't help but just think of the... Um, I don't know if anyone uh, listening is... Or I know you are, Phil. Of, um, there's a very old blog from back in the day called That's Not Metal, 
Uh, and there's just an article where he's like, oh, yeah, I'll tell you what's not metal. Dying Fetus doing a covers album of other death metal bands. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, great, you're really going to bring a new dynamic to the sound there, guys. Oh, oh guttural vocals. Oh, great. Only a Cannibal Corpse song. <laughs> yeah, there is something about this that just feels so, like, why did you do it? There is no clever idea added to any yeah. of these covers. Oh, so, yeah, so, what, so the bands we've got here, we've got uh, Dehumanised, Napalm Death, second Napalm Death cover they've done. Uh, Broken Hope, Bolt Thrower. I did kind of like the Bolt Thrower cover. Uh, Pestilence and Cannibal Corpse and an original track uh, called Rehypnol I, I tried to look up I mean to the song title I was like mm. uh, so I tried to look up the lyrics the ly- so the lyrics aren't anywhere and some websites just said instrumental <laughs> so I thought alright well no one knows then alright fine yeah so it, it's kind of uh, getting dehumanised on those cool dehumanised are a really important band that somewhat like get lost in the shuffle of like that era of extreme stuff but the original's way better uh, the Bolt Thrower song, it's just a great song. Like, yeah. they don't add... Bolt Thrower with lyrics you can no longer hear is a, yeah, is a, is a setback. Like, and yeah, it's, it's just that thing of like, if you're going to do covers of a band in the same genre, you've got to be bringing more to it than literally the descent into depravity production yeah. on on these songs. Like, because exactly. well, yeah, I used to be in a, in a thrash band and we, we play Slayer tracks live a lot because they're really great to pad out Celis, but we're, like, we're never going to record one. What's the point of recording a cover that just basically sounds really similar to the original? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we're harping on that too much. Um, what comes out following this is the kind of, as I say, probably the most popular Dying Features album and Finn's most spicy opinion, which is going to get us, uh, it's going to get us the hate mail. Um, so, Ring Supreme in 2012. Um, it, again, as I say, basically following the same setup as Descent into Depravity. We still got uh, Steve Wright, I believe, recording it. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it is very much more of the Descent into Depravity idea. Uh, I've got my own sort of defensive of Finn. Do your thing. Oh, Everyone blame Finn for his opinions. <laughs> I just, like, you got, you know, like when it came out, I really wanted to like because this came out, you know, when I was well, I got into maybe a year or two before, but this was the, this is my first new Dying Thesis release. And I remember everyone at the time being like, "Yeah, yeah, it's the best album." I was like, "What the fuck are you guys all talking about?" So maybe this is me being kind of you know particular, but this is the album where they always used to go, "Right, we're going to do eight tracks." And the title is going to be three words with the connected word in the middle. This album, they're like, well, you know, we're actually doing nine tracks this time. So I thought, nine tracks? Fuck me. So all nine must be so good. You couldn't possibly get rid of one. And then, yeah, I just, I don't know, man. There's a couple of good tracks on here. I just, <laughs> wow, like, well, I mean, so the first track I love, uh, Invert the Idols, really, really great track. Uh, Subjected to a Beating, which was also the single. I think that track is brilliant up to the beat down, well, like the, you know, the bit in the middle, and God will hear you fucking scream. Probably my favourite bit on the album and then the song goes for another minute or two. <laughs> the whole album, just, oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe you can fit some well, All right. Well, so so from the opposite point of view, I do fit. Well, not the opposite. I don't think it's their best. I prefer Descent into Depravity mm. for the same idea. I just think it's a bit tighter. Rain Supreme's got Rain Supreme's got a very perfect mix, but it's almost a bit too perfect for me. Well, like, I preferred the mix on Descent into Depravity. It felt like it had more character. Yeah, but people don't like that mix, actually. Like, a lot of people take umbrage with that. So, uh, yeah, I don't mean then that's all very much down to taste. Uh, I think From Womb to Waste is fucking brilliant. Oh, I, I, that's the uh, other track I really love. I really like that. I, the ones Finn's already mentioned are great. Um, uh, the Blood of Power, the closer, I think sounds like a Hate Eternal song, which was really fucking cool. That was a nice, like, different idea in there. Um, the problem I have, actually, like, the, the only 
sort of real issues I have with it. There's a couple of breakdowns on this that feel really like they needed the song to have a breakdown. So the music just comes to a halt. And then there's normally a very good breakdown riff. But one where I couldn't tell you the relationship to everything that had just happened. It didn't... Yeah. There's, there's some unnatural transitions on this I don't like. So, well, so when, when I saw them on this tour, they were um, uh, supported exclusively by deathcore bands. I can't remember what bands they were now, but I actually... I uh, went to one of their shows with my sister because she was there for the other three bands. <laughs> Very much not for Dying Fetus. I wonder if it's because they were at the time that, oh yeah, Breakdowns, that's kind of, you know, popular. Yeah, and, and I mean, the thing is, Dying Fetus are amazing at Breakdowns. Mm. They've had them on, there's Breakdowns on their early demos. Yeah. They've always been brilliant at writing them. And there are great de- Breakdowns on this. Um, the Like the one in... Um, in the trenches is kind of legendary. Like people fucking love that. that yeah, that's, that that's one that I just. I oh, know the riffing feels lazy on that one to me. I really yeah. like the, the breakdown. I quite like where it's like a, like it reminds me of one by Metallica, but like a really fucking fast version. Yeah, I, that, that's the point where I realise I'm not with everyone. This album is in the trenches. Is like I don't quite like how that song structured. Yeah. Something feels a bit off for it. But I do like that really. The first four tracks, like everything up to from wound to waste, I love. Yeah, and I love how the album closes out. So yeah. I, 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 it's, it's definitely in my like my pretty top four of their albums. Oh, like, I'd, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say yeah, yeah. What is yeah? So I like um yeah the last two tracks. It's revisionist past and blood of power. I do like the fact they both have really melodic solos. Mm. Specifically, the blood of power. For a split second, I got like a stench of redemption era deicide vibe. Like, it, not not throughout the whole thing. But I was like, oh, okay, they tapped into that. And I love that. That's a whole other discussion. But that is a fantastic album. Yeah. I got that vibe for for a little second, which I liked. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I can see that. There's a lot of good stuff about this. Honestly, I would probably just like leave it saying I think it's a very good album. If it wasn't for the fact, I know this is everyone's like, this is the Vetus yeah. album. That I don't get. That... I, I, yeah, but possibly I'm being unfair because maybe I'm still carrying a bit of my disappointment from 10 years ago forward with me as well. But there's also some fun facts about this. Uh, the track Second Skin was also featured in a recent episode of South Park. Fucking <laughs> you know? hell. Yeah. My, my favourite fact about this album is um, Mark from Misery Index has some guest vocals what on does it. God, I didn't yeah. miss that. Oh, yeah, Show, showing how friendly the two bands yeah, are. Yeah, well, which is what I like. They're not doing the Megadeth Metallica thing. They're clearly all still friends. And I think the thing we haven't mentioned up to this point as well, which you probably should have, is they've now been with Relapse Records for a bit, which is where, like, this is probably another reason this album's so popular, this is where Dying Features got catapulted into the spotlight. Yeah. They're on every fucking tour. They're doing interesting stuff. They say playing with a load of upcoming deathcore bands. Genius idea to get them out to a new crowd. Yeah. Their videos are all over the place. Like there's some great music videos to this. Uh, from Room to Waste, I think is a really good yeah, one. Yeah, that's a really. Also, from Room to Waste, what I love is the fact they use a, like another sample at the beginning. But I'm like, but I don't because it's making a point like, oh, you know, I, was it? Um, I don't care if I'm pregnant. I love drugs. Who cares? Fuck the baby. Let it die. I'm like, yeah, because that's also you know purposely tasteless and offensive. But it's not, it, you know, like the whole rapes on the old thing. I'm like, yeah, but that's problematic. Whereas this is like. Yeah, come on, man. It's just you know. This, I don't know, this one seems less controversial. It, it, it's it's so like sort of so gross. Yeah, it's crossing the line yeah, twice, it's kind pur- of thing. Purposefully crass, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it's sort of so there to to wind people up. I can't exactly. I can't give it any credence Ob- beyond that. Obvious trolling, basically. Yeah, 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 exactly. And the lyrics: um, one more girl six months six months in takes a hanger and a bottle of pills. The pro life priest says nothing to say as the embryo is scraped away. Oh dear God. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that, that track's really fantastic. I just it, yeah, I, I like how it closes. I just it, there's if you have one or two bad tracks, maybe the fact I think there's quite a long stretch of this is not good. This is my issue with later Dying Fetus is I think if all their albums were still thirty five minutes, mm. they'd be fucking masterful. Whereas 
they they're just very very good. Yeah, and and that doesn't matter. Like the like, it's still great. <laughs> I'm still really happy I own it and I enjoy a lot of yeah. music from it. So. And it's it's better than a lot of their like. He's definitely better than say. I prefer it to um, War of Attrition. Like, yeah, it's so much better. And I, War I actually of not to jump ahead. I also think I prefer this to um, Wrong One to Fuck with as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. live album we have in the lot um, Misery Index Live in Munich I didn't get to this in my listening did you? yeah I, I searched high and low I, I think so it did used to be on Spotify I think this is now vinyl only okay no, no one had put it on YouTube or anything and I, I didn't want to go look in the illegal download route so oh, we if, know, if, no. if I ever somehow you know find a, like a CD or digital version obviously I'll share it with you but yeah I, I had no luck finding that one so if anyone listening knows where we can you know buy that or, or on CD or just you know buy it download just let us know cause yeah I'd, I'd that'd be cool it. yeah yeah, because I don't think it's up on their it's up on their Bandcamp. I could be wrong though. Uh, I did find a link for Bandcamp, but then that um, specific Bandcamp had been shut down, uh, so the link didn't go anywhere. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, that brings us on to Misery Index, The Killing Gods, and this is something we touched on earlier. Misery Index at this point in time have been scattered to the four winds. Uh, Jason's moved to uh, Finland with his wife, um, so and and I think another member of the band may have gone to Canada, so mm. they are not they are not even in the same country, let alone continent, actually, at this point. Um, and it marks a massive change in sound, I'd say, Killing Gods. Yeah, uh, yeah well, how, how do you feel about the, the last, this, this later era of Mizzid Index? So this album, I actually find this album very frustrating, but in, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll sort of explain what I mean by that. So the first six tracks, uh, they're, they're actually part of the concept, so the first five tracks are all actually one one long song, just split into five different tracks, and then the sixth track is like part of that concept. So for my research, these six songs, uh, like according to the lyrics, I think it's the story of someone who performs some kind of ritual and they commune with the divine, uh, and through that they learn that the world is under control of devils who are exploiting the human race. Basically just a really heavy-handed metaphor for the capitalist ruling class. I, like, I'd say Thrown to the Sun and Black Sites is my favourite sort of bit of uh, their discography, this is my second favourite bit. It's those, those, those first five tracks and then the additional title track, The Killing Gods. What a fucking ride. It, it's fucking incredible. Like the, the opening intro track then comes back way heavier um, in the fourth track, I think, Conjuring the Cull. And it, it, they all flow together so well, but they also have their own personality. Genuinely, I absolutely love this stretch of their discography. I just think after that amazing six-track run, the rest of the album just doesn't... 
doesn't really follow that. I think this, they're not bad songs, the rest of the album. I think, you, if, I mean, I wish they'd just done an EP or something, but I think if you're going to have those 12 tracks, put those other six first, end on the massive concept piece. Yeah, it is It is definitely an album um, hampered by its structure. That, mm. that The first half is just undeniably better yeah. than the second. I think it's great, though. Like, I really yeah. do think it's a very solid album. It showcases a very different Misery Index. So Dan Morris has, um, has replaced uh, Sparky Voiles on guitar and his lead guitaring is so much more like yeah. noticeably flashy. Like yeah. that that first kind of couple of songs or that, that big structure has so many cool bits. Yeah, yeah. And it's so melodic as well. It's, yeah. You know, so catchy. Yeah, like the whole album. Yeah, also he's still in the band to this day as well. So this is where... Misery Index solidified their um, their current lineup as well. Mm. Yeah, the other six tracks I all think are very good, and there's, I, I think for my money, this is actually where um, I think I'm assuming Jason Everton writes sort of most of the lyrics. But I think lyrically, this is when the band is at their best as well. Yeah, I mean, even yeah. post concept pieces, the lyrics are so good to read. They're like, like you could take these out and just have them as poetry, and I think they stand up. They're incredibly well written. I really like. Essentially, obviously, like we said, Dying Feet is clearly kind of going, oh yeah, you know, lyrics is an afterthought. I love how much attention and care is put into the lyrics of this. Yeah, yeah, I, I like. I honestly, I'm talking myself into thinking Killing Gods is actually almost better than I'm giving it credit. Like, I think it's just something you have to accept. If you were already into stuff like Traitors or Heirs to Thievery going into this, it's a very different experience. And the weakest bit of the experience is the bit where they do the thing that was very good on the previous album. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's a bit of a change of mindset. But honestly, like. It's worth the price of admission for mm. that first 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. It's so good. Like I said, apart from Throwing to the Sun of Black Sides, that's my second favourite bit of their whole discography. If, yeah. if, if the whole album was like that, I, this might even surpass Traitors for me. But yeah, just, to yeah. me, this just feels like two... If it just feels like two EPs kind of... I mean, not that they're all that distant from each other, but it very much feels like here's that kind of yeah, 15, 20 minute concept piece and here's six kind of more traditional... But songs. I wonder if the logic with that was... Here's the experiment, the star. Here's the thing we've not done before. And oh. here's the shit for the old fans oh, at the yeah. end. Like, so, like, so it ends on the familiar note. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe. Which, you know, honestly as well, you know, you can get too hung up on structure of an album, but I, I, I like that kind of thing. Yeah, well, this album is great, and I think the production is fantastic as well. Because, like, like I said, the lyrics are very, very kind of evil and, and old school, but, but in, in a very well-written way. Yeah, the production really kind of ha- like sells that evilness of it. Yeah, but not, not, not evil. It's like mythical evil, more well human evil, really. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I, yeah. This album is excellent. I just, I just wish, I wish they either followed that concept idea the whole way through, or maybe kind of save that till till as, as the big surprise at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that could, that could have been a cooler structure.
Okay, next up is a bit of a jump in time. The Neva band does much, well, does a lot of live work for a couple of years. And then we get uh, Dianthetus's uh, eighth album. Uh, yes. Uh, wrong 12 fuck with. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that in my notes, wrong 12 fuck with. <laughs> Apparently, the, the, so you, you've probably all seen there is like a basketball jersey for this that has wrong, the number 12, and then fuck with underneath yeah. it. Apparently, the band had nothing to do with <laughs> this, but kind of enjoyed yeah. the idea. But now, forever, the album is wrong 12 fuck <laughs> wrong with. Wrong 12 fuck with, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so as I say, it's very much continuing on in the the trend of the previous two albums. Like the the interesting thing they they've done is they've moved away from the block capital uh, logo to the old school one mm, yeah. with the spiky hard to read one, uh, giving uh, yeah Nick uh, Spellius <laughs> another credit. Yeah, but, but that's what I find interesting is the fact they've you know they, they've always had the block capitals logo or you know like for a very long time. So you sort of see them going, oh, we're going to break the really old school, and you think, oh, okay, you're going back to back to your roots, and then it's kind of more of the the path of what they were doing. I just, I'm not sure. Maybe they just thought the logo was cooler, but yeah, I mean, maybe they just they, they just got fed up of having their name on block capitals on bills, <laughs> like it might yeah. be overshadowing what they're doing a bit. Um, I mean, that, that's a minor point. You're really not a fan of this album, right? No, well, I I, I actually think well, and I, I, I know I keep harping on this point, but this album is, with, including the bonus track, is fifty four minutes long. It's really fucking long. Fifty four. If they if they chop this down to thirty or thirty five, I think I'd like it a lot more. It's just it goes on for so long. I think okay, I've, I've you know, I think it's eleven tracks and like you know most of them in the sort of the five minute mark. I remember reading, like I think hearing an interview while they were recording this, saying like the thing they changed up in their sound was they made all the songs longer. And I think that's the heart of the issue of Wrong One to Fuck With. Like, it's... I think much like Rain Supreme and that, it's a very good album, but it's not my favourite of theirs. Mm. And my issue is, yeah, it feels like it drags yeah, a bit. exactly. Because I think that the songwriting is really good. Like I said, it is very much following the, the trajectory they've been on for the previous two albums as well. Uh, production-wise, I think the production is really good as well. I just, yeah, the fact it goes on a bit too long, it's, you know, it's very hard to kind of... Because I think once an album's over, especially if it's been a short album, you think, oh, yeah, yeah, that was cool, I've enjoyed the ride. When you get to the end and all you can think is, oh, God, this is still going. <laughs> it's very hard to kind of look back. Because there are loads of really good bits. Uh, basically, like, they're a band who, every single album they ever do, will have a billion great riffs on it. Yeah, yeah. clearly, they, like, yeah, they know how to write a hook. And, you know, they're all incredibly skilled musicians, as we've said previously. I think the, the thing I enjoyed about this is there's some surprises. Track three, uh, the name escapes me. Um, Die with Integrity? Die of Integrity yeah. has a great bit in it where just, like, for about a minute, sounds like Vader, which is, like, really, like, thrashy, mm. kind of old-style death metal bit, which I thought was a really nice choice. Yeah, I, I noted that as my favourite track, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I really enjoyed that. It's nice to see as well that they're not um, resting on the laurels in terms of the shred bits. They are making them harder and harder. Yeah, yeah. That track seething with disdain is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how good it. Like, I'm not sure if it's one of their better songs, mm. but it is as a technical yeah. exercise. It's incredibly impressive. Yeah, it's an accomplishment for sure. Yeah, and it, it's nice. Like the, the John is still um, John and Sean is still really working hard at making yeah. those shreds perfect and setting himself up a real challenge live. Strangely, right. One of my favourite tracks on this album is Induced Terror. Really? The bonus song. Yeah, I, yeah. I think it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, because I think it's about four minutes long, I think, as well. So it's, it's a bit shorter than the, the rest. Because I, I thought that's a good way... Because I was listening to it from the perspective of, okay, so I know the title track is the last track. Mm. And this one... I, I, I don't know if you, you do the same, but when I know that something is a bonus track, 
I mentally kind of yeah. separate it from the rest. But yeah, I think it actually works better as a closer. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just some of the middle, like, there, there's just a bit, there's a bit of fat on this album, mm. from, from my point of view. And again, it's another one, I, honestly, I feel like, barring the first album, almost every Dying Features album has its big fans. Like, yeah. There are people who absolutely love Stop at Nothing, um... War of Attrition, I think, is more of a... Everyone finds that album a bit frustrating. Yeah. But almost everything in between, they've got six albums where people, yeah. everyone hold up as the best. And you know what, that's absolutely... Like, fair play to a band. If every album you do, someone can turn around and say that's your favourite. Because, you know, I know this really obvious example. How many people turn around and go, uh, Lulu's really good, actually? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, like, to a more minor extent, like, oh, my favourite's Reload. Yeah, exactly. Or even, you know, well, some people say the Black Album. But, but yeah, do you know what I mean? For Dying to go, every album is clearly different enough and, and strikes a chord where someone be like no that's the one that I really like or well, more actually it's sort of in the vein if you look at a band like say Suffocation by comparison like Suffocation have had a really solid discography by one or two with like slightly dodgy production I barely met anyone who doesn't say it's the first or third album's their best okay. like, yeah. and, and all their stuff is worth checking out but everyone loves those two if actually this would be one email in if you, if you have a favourite Suffocation album that's like Past their reforming, because because it's, it's not true for a lot of like the the kind of titans of, of death metal, particularly the brutal death metal scene, which you know has a reputation for getting a bit stuck in its ways. Like, yeah. and I do think Dying Theaters has found a way to make each one of their albums at least be its own thing. Like yeah. reviewing these, this felt like eight distinct albums. Yeah, they've all got their own character, which which I think is cool. I just yeah, with this one, it's I mean I appreciate it at this point there because uh, I mean they're not obviously Metallica big, but I think they're just so big that. No one's going to stand up and say, "Hey, you know, have you thought about editing this down?" Yeah, yeah, that's it. They, they, and and they're on a label that will give them studio time, mm. where they don't need to panic. Because that, that's the other thing. I don't listen to this. I try to think, okay, it's fifty-four minutes long. What tracks would I cut? But it's not that kind of album. It's not like, oh, these are the obvious bad ones. I think it's more a case that there's just too much of it. Yeah, I, I think every song could do with being a minute shorter. Mm, if, yeah. if they if they were just forcibly made to edit fifteen percent out of the album, yeah. It probably would yeah. be really good. Exactly. And I think the same would be very true for Reign Supreme as much as yeah. I do realise that. It's somewhat heresy to say. But, but, but it's still good because we're not saying, oh yeah, this is awful. It's more like, oh yeah, no, it's just it's too much. Yeah, maybe be a bit harsher, do some sort of second or third drafts. But fundamentally, it is good. It's well written and it, it you know, it's, like I said, they're, like Dying Feet at this point know what they're doing and they're, they write good music. I think they just need someone to say, yeah, that's cool, but you know, maybe three minutes instead of five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, listeners will be aware we've got a little bit more misery in this cover. That's kind of where we leave it with Dying Feet. Just, are any summarising thoughts on them, Finn, <laughs> to uh, put you on the spot? <laughs> I, well, I just, I mean, listen, I've, I've poo-pooed some of their albums and for it, so I appreciate that the ones I've poo-pooed tend to be the later era stuff. But I want to say, every one of their albums has merit, like we've said, uh, and if they announce that they're, they're playing in Bristol, I'm buying a ticket instantly. Live, I still think they're phenomenal. Like I said, they're all lovely guys. I will check out every release this, this band ever does. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I'm definitely the same. I'm glad to have heard all of them, mm. even if there's two or three I probably won't revisit in, yeah. in beyond like the odd song. Yeah, they're, a band that they're, they're good enough that they'll always be worth, uh, worth me checking out. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think it is worth doing that deep dive at some point of going through and finding finding what their era is, because if you've only heard the latest three, there is that stuff, like going back to Killing on Adrenaline, it's really fucking special and quite yeah. different to what they're doing now. Yeah, I would say, if, if you've listened to the latest stuff and it's not really been for you, uh, I would probably say, maybe Destroy the Opposition is the yeah. best thing to go back and go, okay, what do they sound like before the kind of more, the move more into tech? Like I said, I prefer Killing on Adrenaline, I, I think Destroy the Opposition is the best example of the sort of pre-tech era. 
So, but yeah, great band. We'll always see them live. I have a chance. And last little note I've written: uh, John Gallagher has hair now. Okay, so uh, this brings us to uh, Misery Index's Rituals of Power, which I think might be the year up. Is it 2017 or 2018? Uh, 2019. 2019, okay. Well, fuck, they've been, yeah, putting out quite a bit. This is going to be another, I, I don't actually know what the fan reception is to this one. It's another, like, sort of similar vein to the last. Lineup's the same. Um, uh, we now have Will Putney mixing and mastering it, so it sounds very, very good, because oh, yeah. Will Putney is a is incredible but what's really clear on this is that it's been recorded by people all around the world so we have like Eric Rutan recorded the drums uh, Leon Del Mort uh, recorded uh, Mark's vocals Leon famed for being in bands like Impaled um, and Murder Construct so there's loads all these cool people involved like recording one dude <laughs> in the band because the album was recorded completely spread out around the world and written that way so we have like Jason very distinctly has two songs he wrote on this. Mark has seven. I think he wrote the lion's share mm. of this album. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting that kind of... Um, yeah, I don't, actually until I looked at my notes there, I didn't realise quite how much Mark was taking the reins on this one. Yeah, which again, it's funny for someone who... I mean, I know he was in there on the second album, but he wasn't like a, an original, original member. But, mm. yeah, but he very quickly found his feet with the band. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So how do you feel about Rituals of Power? So this, I, I think, well, so I listened to it when it first came out, and the only other album I'd heard at the time was Discordia. So I, I listened to it, I, I mean, I listened to it so much, I actually burned myself out on it uh, back in the day. Uh, going back to it now, I, I think it's good. It's a solid album. You know, there are no bad tracks or anything. I just think, retrospectively, like, I mean, maybe it's just me who gets really hung up on this. I loved that kind of concept thing that they did with The Killing Gods so much. I think they should have gone, right, let's, let's do that, but more. You know, let's extend that to a whole album. Let's kind of go further into that. I think this is just a really safe album after they kind of flirted with being way more experimental with the previous one. Yeah, I, the, this is exactly the problem I have with it. To say, like, Misery Index are bound less familiar, so I've listened to all seven of their albums, four of which for the first time yeah. in, in the like run-up into this. Maybe not for the first time, but at least, you know, first real focus listen on them. 
this one and the debut really got lost in the shuffle. I remember a couple of nice bits of Liga Sour work, yeah. few good risks. I think New Salem has some cool moments in mm. it, but yeah, I don't remember Sam well. Yeah, it's just, it's too. I, I think it's good, and there are some really standout bits. Like the title track uh, actually has a bit which reminds me a bit of the Killing Gods era. It suddenly goes very melodic with the sort of lead guitar playing quite melancholy sounds over the top, and I'm like, oh, cool. But I, I wanted more of that because the rest of it just is plays it very safe. But I don't think it's quite as like as the thievery and, and traitors. They're also very sort of vibrant, and you know, well, maybe it's just because you know they were possibly like 15 years younger at the at yeah, point. yeah. So they, yeah, they sound very like full of energy. Whereas this is you know. It sounds like a similar thing, just less kind of ecstatic. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can see that. There's, there's something about, like, the recording is great, but it doesn't quite have that, that vibrance of those, yeah. particularly those two albums. But I do wonder if, like you said, if they're all spread out over the place, they might have actually written this all remotely. And I do wonder how they, many... They did. In, so, so I wonder how many in-person rehearsals they had as opposed to just... Let's construct these songs, never being in the room together and sending stuff over. That's that's how it was done. Like it was yeah. almost they, uh, the impression I at least got from a, a recent interview. Yeah, it was very much seen that way, where it was all written. Like people would produce an entire song and say that's how that goes. Whereas before, I think people were coming in with like a couple of connected riffs yeah. and the rest of the band were putting the staple on it. So yeah, maybe maybe that explains it. It's still a cool album. Yeah. I, it's it, like it's way more than one for completists only. Like if you like Misery Index, definitely mm. check out Ritual of Power. I just don't think it's in their upper echelon. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's not bad by any stretch. And I think if it exists, well, when I first listened to it, it existed more or less in a vacuum. I thought it was really good. It's just I think it's a bit disappointing knowing how fucking great this band have been. Yeah, but also as well, like however we cut it. For me and you, they've done a run of like their four best albums, yeah. And then album six, you're like, oh well, this felt a little bit yeah, let down. Exactly. Like, oh yeah, this isn't bad by any means. <laughs> oh, they're fucked up on their sixth album. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. yeah, what do you mean they didn't do a fucking sixth, absolutely impeccable one? Yeah, yeah, fuck, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we, I think with both these bands, we're being far too harsh because we're too close to it. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, my, my only other problem with this, and again, this is this is such a, a thin complaint. But, like, Misery Index, they're such an outspoken leftist band. All their lyrics, you know, basically like, oh, you know, the rich will kill you, eat the rich, whatever. Uh, the track New Salem, which is a really, really good tr- song, uh, but basically New Salem, the lyrics do this thing where it's this, they take this weird enlightened centrist position where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, left and right's just attacking each other, blah, 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 no one gets along anymore. I'm like, look, you guys are a leftist band. What? Like, this whole, they've said in interviews this album was written in response to, like, the Trump presidency. I'm like, and you thought you should write a song about how, oh, yeah, but left-wing people are always, you know, attacking people online. What uh, the fuck are you on about? Yeah, that, that, I've, I've not read those lyrics. So I can't yeah. comment too much. So but... the story right here is um, addicted to extremes of ideologies where left and right amalgamate and hang us from their tallest trees. I'm like, but t- I don't know. It's just, it's, I mean, it, that's one track in amongst the entire discography of lyrics I adore. I just think it's like, don't play the enlightened centrist card. Yeah, yeah. That also does just feel like a very easy point. Like... Yeah. Oh, why does no one get along anymore? <laughs> but yeah, like, yeah, that's a little weak. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that, that brings us along to the uh, Coughing Up uh, the Nails compilation, which is another one of their great, like, we've put together all the cool stuff, mm. um, including some uh, some interesting demo versions, a shit ton of covers, and a, a band that they, they approach covers in a way better way, I, I'd oh, yeah. say. Uh, yeah, because also there, there are six covers on this, the same amount of covers that are on History Repeats, but I love the covers on this. Uh, I think it's maybe because obviously Dying Feats are covering other death metal bands, but here the band's more from like a punk or thrash background, which makes their transition to like a death metal sound much more interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's just like it, it's got some real life to it, having like a guest like Rob Barrett moment yeah, on one of them. Yeah, looks at Rob Barrett. He's obviously, the guitar player from um, Cannibal Corpse. He's not normally a vocalist, but he's got a very cool punk. Vocal. Well, I guess yeah, he's just shouting. But yeah, he, he sounds really cool. So I mm. see him turn up, and I love the, the set. Well, also they do a bolt thrower cover, <laughs> interestingly as well. The, the bolt thrower cover for me is the weakest moment. I, I don't, I, I, I don't know why I get hung up on this. I've never really heard a band pull off a really great ball well, for a cover. Fucking, well, both throw about the vibe as well, which is kind of hard to recapture when you're doing it. Yeah, animation. it's like even for their arms that aren't well recorded, they just sound great, even though like they're not even properly in time. They're just they're, they're, <laughs> yeah. like you're not going to do like anything on Realm of Chaos better than Realm of Chaos. Yeah. Like, but also this one is specifically in relation to the previous one. So the previous one, like we said, because I think it was when they early started, they did a billion EPs and splits. This, uh, I think it's just 12 tracks, it's, I think it's maybe 40 minutes or so. Yeah. yeah the, I, the, I, by, by virtue of it being a lot shorter, I, I prefer this one. Plus I think it's because it, this is from the stage of their career that I'm more into as well. Yeah, it's way less exhausting, it's way less than trying out ideas, it's cool stuff like hearing those demo version or alternative mixes of some of the best moments of Traitors is yeah. actually quite fun. Yeah, the three Traitors demos are great, especially the, there's a remix of a, a song from Discordia, which I really liked hearing that with a slightly more modern production. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I, I, think I prefer the original just because it's what I'm more familiar with, but that sounded really good. But for me, I don't know about you, the absolute highlight is um, they do a, a medley of uh, two Ministry songs, uh, Thieves and New World Order. It's called Thieves of the New, the New World, World Order. Order. Yeah, and, yeah. And they condense both down to a two-minute track Oh my god, what a fucking rager. I'd also just like to make the pun Ministry Index. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, like the first, because I bought this uh, when it came out last year, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember because I put it in my CD player. When that came out, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to turn this up. Oh my god, this is fucking raging. Jesus. Yeah. And it, it is like great thing of taking, like, a Ministry or a fantastic band to do this with because they're great. But their stuff like is really interpretable because it's quite simple in a yeah, lot yeah. of ways. It's very repetitive and robotic. Like New World Order, the track is I think five minutes long. And a lot, a lot a of that is just song. about layers building on top. Like, oh, now we're going to add in a bass bit. Oh, now there's guitars. It's you know, it's almost like Lego music in a way. So hearing them be like, right, well, we're going to do a fucking grindcore song, which is that and Thieves in two minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's a really cool compilation, and I think if this was like sort of a buyer's guide and stuff like. Coughing up nails again. It's one for people who are into the band already, but it's definitely worth picking up. This is not just all the offcuts you wouldn't give a shit about. Like yeah. this is actually worth hearing. Whereas the first one is a little bit that kind of. Um, it's a really fun, completist kind of collection. If you're not big on all their arms already. You probably don't need it. It's the yeah. last thing to listen to yeah. a lot. I agree. Yeah, I think first one is for collectors. I think this. I could someone who's not doesn't know me really because I can actually potentially even just show that to them because it's album length. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some stuff. I mean, I wouldn't, but I think it's yeah. Like if you if you kind of like Misery Index and you see that somewhere, I, yeah, I'd recommend it. Right. This brings up to the final bit. Uh, this is the very recent and probably the, the, the idea the reason we had the idea for the episode. Their latest album, Complete Control, from uh, I think April time this year, like. Sometime early on this year, that's been out. May, probably. maybe I think. Yeah, it's been out a little while now, but um, yeah, and very much uh, the band continuing on in the same vein, same lineup. Um, Will Putney mixes it, but we get Jens Bogren coming in to master. So marginally different sound to Rituals of Power. Um, yeah, Finn, what's your take on the new album? Have so, you had much time with it? So, yeah, so this one, um, obviously because it's new as well, I think it's, I, I don't know, I take quite a long time to sort of form my opinions of, uh, of something new. Uh, this one, it's another one, I, I, I'll, I'll start with saying, I do like this, I've listened to it a couple of times, I was, I was listening to it in the gym the other day, I'm like, yeah, this is good, it, 
again, like Dying Fetus, they just, they know how to write good music. I like their style. I like the way they play. As ever, Adam Jarvis, phenomenal. And I'm glad that they make the production where he's very much like they they accentuate his parts of the of the the songs. I just again, it's I think what, what kind of threw me for this is the fact that the opening of the album makes me think, oh fuck, what are they, what are they doing here? It opens on these really dissonant chords. Um, it, I don't think it's Jason or Mark doing those vocals. There is a vocalist called Ollie Nakala who's credited on the album. They don't say what track, but I think it's him doing those, like... No, that, that's Mark. Oh, that Mark? He, yeah, okay. Mark's got a new vocal technique. He's trying out this cool... Yeah, I so think cool. I, At least there was a Jason interview where he implied this okay. is Mark trying yeah. a new idea. Because I thought, And it's so, it sounds so different to anything they've done. I mean, much more of the hardcore kind of sound. Yeah. I thought, fuck, oh, because it, and it's so doomy, and I was very excited for where it goes. And then it just goes into, like, a more typical era kind of uh, Misery Index track. I don't know. I would say that that uh, administer the dagger that opening track. I think it's brilliant. I really oh, yeah, yeah. like it. That's my favorite track from the album. Yeah, um, there's some stuff later. Like the, those vocals, I hope they keep leaning into mm. this because I think they say with this album, the two vocalists did try some new ideas, and you can catch little bits of it. Like it is finding ways to step outside the the framework a little. There's some moments where they step too far outside the framework. I would argue complete control. Starts, track. yeah. Starts with this like bit of guitar that sounds like out of like a. It sounds like a rock song. <laughs> I don't know. It's way too melodic. I'm like, yeah. I don't know that that song. Like you kind of lost the heavy for a bit. Yeah, I, I agree. Because I, I love it when they do melodic bits. And, and again, I know I keep talking about, it, but the, the Killing Gods that sort of concept piece. But the melody works because it's woven into the fucking crushing heaviness as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want the melody to be weighed down by heaviness, not just kind of existing in and of itself. I think that that's the one where I was like, "Oh, that's that's kind of um, that that was a noticeable misstep." But Mister the Day, I really like. Mm. I think Rights of Cruelty, I remember being a, yep. a really catchy track. Know, as well. Yeah, because it's a bit a bit more of a dark melody and it feels a bit more epic. So yeah, I really like Rights of Cruelty. Yeah, I, I think there's so I, I've not had a huge amount of time with Complete Control, but I think there's some real good moments on it. I think the thing that I'm kind of wanting from them again, though, is I want them to go because they're not they they're never going to be as kind of Furious as the Traitors band, yeah. you know, the Traitors Discordia kind of band again. Like I think that era's gone. I want them to lean into what they're doing in Killing Gods. Yeah, 100%. I, I really want more of the slightly progressive, slightly yeah. longer songs, like just some weird bits thrown in there because they can do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now that we know they can do it, they've done a proof of concept. I want them to just yeah run with that for a whole album. Oh, yeah, again, I don't know, because, I, again, I, I do really like this album. I, th- I like this more than Rituals of Power, I think. Definitely, right. definitely yeah. way more memorable. Yeah, I agree. But I think, yeah, I don't know if this is maybe me just being unfair. I'm like, yeah, but because I want you to explore this idea you did two albums ago, I'm not being fair to the album that I've been given, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but, but it is interesting of, I found, listening to this as one of the seven. Is it seven? Yeah, uh, seven, yeah. Yeah, well, it was one of the seven. It was that thing of going... I'm struggling to find its identity in that mm. in that block. Like yeah. it, it's got great moments. If there was more like the opening track mm. and uh, and rights of cruelty, I think it would be very memorable. And they almost it almost feels like they need to start moving away from the stuff they've been classically good at. Yeah, they, they need to shake up the shake up the foundations a bit. I think. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I said, it's very brave because one of the tracks is called Infiltrators and during the chorus they shout Infiltrator thing. You don't want to have a chorus where two of the syllables you're shouting are traitors. No, that, that's... <laughs> I didn't even clock that. That's, yeah. that's really funny. Because it makes me think about traitors. <laughs> and an already bad song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to fight you. <laughs> I'm clearly pissing off all the music. I didn't realise that was their closer. Yeah, yeah, that's their Angel of Death. 
It's like, why? Well, because it's, 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 well, like I said, the mosh pit was so intense. It's a really yeah. good one just to like, well, because also what they did in um, uh, Stagger Hounds is that when they played Traitors, they were like, right, you know, for the chorus, we're going to step away from the microphone. Just run Oh, everyone can do Traitors. So, so, so I ran and shouted, Steve Holt! <laughs> the concept, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, like, I think possibly we're almost sounding too negative mm. because because all the praise we'd heap on this is the stuff that Misery Index. We've already said yeah. like this. It's what they're really good at. Like, Jason and Mark are fantastic vocalists. They sound really harsh, but you know, good at writing lyrics. Mm. They're, they're right, catchy stuff. The riffs are brilliant, but more simplistic. You know, there's great bits. The, the drum work is fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it never stops being good with this band. Like, that's certainly uh, a thing. But none of that is a shock to me. That's all the expected yeah. now. So I, I think granted that's, at this point. Yeah, which is a problem because it's, it's the same thing that gets those reviews that like call the new Cannibal Corpse album going through the motions, which yeah. is not true. Cannibal Corpse are a very, you know, amazing yeah. like a band like really doing incredible things. But we've come to expect incredible things yeah. at all times. We're spoiled in a way. <laughs> yeah. So they get reviews where they do something that if any other band put that out, it'd be like, Holy oh, shit. fuck. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. oh, it was a cannibal corpse. Well, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah same as before. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I feel both Misery Index and Dying Fetus, we might be applying a bit of that to it. Because, mm. Christ, if I heard some of the shreds from Wrong One to Fuck With yeah. on, like, a, you know, Just completely normal bands, band, yeah. like, I'd have my fucking mind blown exactly. by that. So, yeah, I feel like that's definitely colouring a bit of this. Like, the yeah. bands are genius. Yeah, exactly. I really want to stress, it's not like, you know, uh, well, I mean, I'll take Slayer as an example. Slayer's early albums, you know, were really, really good, and then they just fell into this boring, sort of predictable thing. That's not how I feel about this stuff. I'm not as keen on the newer stuff, but I'm not, I don't think of it like, oh, yeah, great, you, you did Repentless or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, they, they, there is effort in this and care. And it's like I said, if I listen to that without knowing their previous stuff, like I did with the Parable, like, oh, this is fucking great. It's just that because I like the other stuff so much, I can't help but draw comparison, even though on its own, yeah, great stuff. But by both bands as well. Yeah, yeah, I really. I don't think either band has put out anything I'd call a shit album. They yeah. just have one or two, which I'm aware going away from this, I'll probably never listen to yeah. it again. My, my least favourite of the whole bunch, uh, I think, was War of Attrition. War of Attrition is definitely the worst. Yeah, that, even then, that opening track is fantastic. <laughs> it's not. Bad. It's not bad. Out. It's just, yeah, it, it's a bit meandering, and you know, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not fucking reload or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I think we're getting to the 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 realm where we're in danger of repeating ourselves. So, yeah, I'd say go away from this. Definitely check out Misery Index if you haven't. I'm aware because of the way they act as a band versus Dying Features. They're not as well known. They don't tour as much. Like their their albums don't get pushed quite as hard. So. Yeah, if this has inspired you to go there, I think take Finn's advice, start a Traitors, and then yeah. maybe work on from there. And yeah, and if you've never checked out that early Dying Features catalogue, honestly, maybe even go back to the start. That evolution is kind of fun to hear from the first three albums. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think I have any real closing thoughts on this beyond the there's a reason you know the name of these two bands, whether you're a fan or not. Like, exactly. And and both legendarily put on amazing live shows. So if either of them are playing near you at any point, yeah, definitely, definitely go and check them out. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, thanks a lot for joining me, Finn. Uh, anything you want to plug? Uh, I didn't prepare anything to plug. Damn Brilliant. That, 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 makes, that makes life easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All the usual. So, you know, if you want to get in touch, hit us up. Uh, Phil's Breakfast Metal on Facebook, at Breakfast Metal on Twitter, uh, philsbreakfastmess.gmail.com um, and yeah thanks a lot for listening <laughs>